0: I may or may not be influenced by adult beverages right now. Let everybody know. Hey, we have a guest with us tonight, which I'm super excited about. Um, this is going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a great show. I'm telling you, if you guys are going to listen to a good one, this is it. We, I have my, uh, my co-owner with us, Mr. Cody Wells. And Cody is um, is, uh, is going to be fun because he is really, really tied into the industry from a different level. He's super tight with most of the guys out there, like the Hush and Crew, you know, the guys from Mountain Ops, Um, and he's just, uh, he's going to give us a lot of insight into the, uh, the hunting world and how it transposes into the target archery world, and, you know, Cody's my best friend, been around forever, and he is always talking about how great it is to have target archery involved with hunting, because, you know, we always like to joke, he punches animals to draw blood (laughs) and we make things bleed there you go and we punch me and jason like punch paper (laughs) but i
1: definitely believe they
2: correlate and can help each other i mean exactly every once in a while punch something and make it bleed yeah there you go
0: (laughs) so anyways we have got cody wells with us and we're excited to talk with him about his uh you know his archery career and what he's been doing and and how the shop runs and get an insight into the industry you know once again being close with some of these guys out there is he's going to be able to share some cool stuff with us i think tell us some really good stories so i'll try anyways cody welcome thank you thank you
1: i'm <coughs> sorry excuse me it's coronavirus I hope it's not what i got here
0: <laughs> you know
2: we're recording from separate rooms right now yeah yeah
0: <laughs> you know it's funny he brings that up coronavirus dude what is going on with that jason what's your thought on this one um
2: I don't know. I've got
0: a. I've got a, a, a couple of thoughts,
2: you know. Well, uh, one, I'm thinking people are overreacting. Like, guys, it's it's a virus. It's not zombies out there that are gonna poop all over the place. So, <laughs> save save a little bit of toilet paper for everybody. Yeah.
0: Well, what's crazy is that you know we'll release this tonight, pretty much right after we get done, and it's uh, every event has been canceled, for the except for yours, Jay Bird. The Pan Am. I know games. I'm sitting
1: there looking across the table at him, and I'm like, man, I just, I know how hard he's working right now. I hope that doesn't happen. That's gonna suck.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So right now, the Pan Am Games are still on, as as far as we know, and, and quite frankly, the only archery event that I think has not been affected by this. Yeah.
2: So it's kind of crazy. I mean, we're getting regular updates. I've gotten two emails today, uh, from USA Archery and from World Archery Americas, saying that hey, everything is under control at this moment. Uh, the last one that we got was saying, you know, we still have a right that, uh, to compete right? because it's, it's an ongoing tournament, but we have a right to, to step out and not compete. And right. in case that there might be a quarantine coming back from Mexico, um, you know, they're, they're willing to help us out. Well, that's so. my
0: biggest fear. You know, I'm going with Jason, you know, as his coach slash mentor or whatever, um, and I'm just worried about getting back to the states. Yeah, I'm not worried about the virus. I mean, I'm we'll we'll sneak you healthy. across. Yeah, I'll have <laughs> to hire a coyote to get back to my home country. You don't you don't have to hire a coyote, Scott. I can put you in my bow case. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. No, but it's kind of crazy because the ASA just canceled their tour. I mean, well, excuse me. The Fort Benning event, um, indoor nationals, got canceled. The first leg of the outdoor um, series got canceled in Guatemala. I think it was. Yeah, yeah the
2: the first leg of the World Cup is is officially canceled. Yeah, officially
0: canceled. So I mean, it's crazy, and we haven't really, I think, hit the tip of the iceberg yet with this whole thing. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's just I think it's just starting. Unfortunately, yeah. you know, we're feeling it at the shop. We had our probably Cody our weakest Friday. In, it was crazy slow today. And yeah, since we remembered good inventory stuff done. Some yeah, busy work done. So that's we, good. Yeah, we counted inventory, which sucked. But hey. <laughs> Um, no, but it's kind of crazy. This coronavirus thing is nuts. I went to HEB last night. Now, HEB, just for the listeners, is our grocery store here. The best better. grocery store. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like a Kroger's or a Publix for those of you that listen in other areas of the country. And they had nothing last night. There's no toilet paper. There's no paper towels. There's no water. The meat aisle looked like it was just ransacked. It was crazy. And people there at 10:30 at night were running around with gloves onto their to their elbows um the face mask on i was like i was like laughing yes i I saw that this morning at the gym for the first time a lady (laughs) walked in with
1: straight up rubber gloves on her hands and
0: i was like all right this is
1: for real there are people officially freaking out yeah maybe they should
3: yeah
0: it was weird it's crazy so hopefully y'all just be safe and so anyways, um, hey, we just got a call in from our long-lost friend out in Iowa. He has um, been working on deer stuff, kind of. He's been doing, like, uh, food plots and tree stands, and he's been missed here for a couple of weeks. But uh, Bridger Dayton, you here? Yeah, what's up? What's going on, Biggin?
1: Man, that's like a perfect transition to what we're talking about tonight, exactly. too, what Bridger's doing.
0: Yeah, because he's getting coronavirus in the trees. Am Just I right? He's working on hunting
1: stuff.
4: I'm. I'm I might actually. I don't know. <laughs> well, the fun. So, so a funny. Okay. Funny story. I, I didn't get all. I didn't get all your intro, but basically we've been doing a lot of hinge cutting trees. Um, I mean, most. I know most people listening down in Texas were. So like we have a lot of big oak and hickory. So we're taking and hinge cutting trees. We'll cut about halfway through till the tree starts to topple. But up to like shoulder heights, and they'll fall, and then we'll kind of. Dominoes, stack them all on top of one another, and that yeah. creates a lot of bedding for whitetail.
2: That's cool. What and, are you? Uh, why are you when when guys doing cutting, all this?
4: A, cutting above your head like that, all the sawdust blows straight in your face. So yeah. my lungs are like full of sawdust right now.
0: So, so the funny story it really
4: hard to breathe. So the funny, I'm terrified of going to the store and buying uh, decongestant <laughs> because <Yeah>. I, <laughs> I think I might get tackled and arrested. And somebody will think I've got coronavirus. Well, that's
0: what we were saying. The funny thing is you texted me this morning or this afternoon, and we were like, you know, I'm going to go to the store to buy decongestant and and be coughing and hacking because the amount of sawdust that's in my body, and people are going to start tackling you and trying to kill you.
4: Oh, I'm more worried about that than I am having sawdust and crap in my lungs yeah, there you or go. even getting corona.
0: Yeah, there you go.
2: <laughs> so bridger why are you guys doing all this work out there what's what's the end game
4: White so, tail habitat. Uh, a,
2: oh is this for hunting uh,
4: rod, well, actually, yeah for hunting so rod white uh he actually used to own a business doing this but so he has a ton of experience with it yeah and uh i, don't know, I i'd wanted to come up here and see my dad because uh, i hadn't seen him since i moved down to texas there gotcha uh, six or seven months ago and Everything just kind of lined up. It was a slow time of year for us there at the store, and uh, well, he was doing that. It was a good time of year, and make a little bit of extra cash working for him, doing that. Gentleman just bought this farm and kind of wanted to get it set up it just, a little bit better for. Sounds a like a lot of work. Habitat,
0: so, it's a lot of work.
2: Sounds like a lot. Of, wouldn't this all be solved if you just set up a couple feeders?
4: <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, but yeah. See, we call it we call them food plots
3: here. Oh, <laughs> we I'm, have to I'm, go
4: in with an excavator and tear down like two acres of timber. I'm a firm believer and work in work smarter. <laughs> instead of so instead of putting the corn in a big bin and throwing it out, we take a we take a machine that punches it into the ground so it grows into.
0: Warm. Oh, you, you mean you plant it?
4: Yeah, yeah. It's crazy.
0: Did, did you hear that? That was the bush light.
4: <laughs> I was going to say that's that's an oddly
0: your <laughs> man it's
2: cold yeah no kidding Bush. so <laughs> so yeah no <clears throat> it's it's definitely been uh been mayhem down here in, in texas and all over the country we're, we've been talking about how this virus is getting everybody in in a panic mode and scott was at heb lined up for an hour and a half or whatever trying to buy his essentials that everybody was uh Packing them in buggies. I mean, Courtney went out to HEB last night at 10:30 at night, and she said the parking lot was full. And at 10:30, I,
4: I, I imagine. Yeah, there is, uh, yeah, it's crazy. Madhouse there. So
2: you guys seen like the, the same thing I out there?
4: And, oh yeah, the town I grew up in, and kind of hang around in Knoxville. I mean, it's a small town. There's less than 10,000 people, and both the Walmart and so like our, the Iowa version of HEB is uh, called High V. So both the Walmart, Super Walmart and Hy-Vee are completely sold out of like sanitary wipes, toilet paper, um, like Lysol, Purell, that type of stuff. And they're low on I, in bottled I, water.
1: I don't get the freak out over toilet paper. I mean, I would be yeah, way would, more worried yeah. about food. food. I, <laughs> I've got old T-shirts to take care of that if I need to. I don't get it. Yeah.
4: You can just go buy a Cody Wells Redneck couple Dallas Cowboy t shirts yes. Yeah, there
1: you go. I'm going to go to all the outdoor stores and just buy out all the field wipes and I'll be There good. you go. Exactly. <laughs> you that's know, it. funny
0: somebody <laughs> mentioned about um, you know, RV toilet paper is still available. Yeah. You know yeah. what else is there? Showers.
2: <laughs> I mean <laughs> yeah, that no that'll help. <laughs> but that's funny. Yeah, no uh, it's
4: definitely wild. I mean and for me, I'm more, I'm, I mean, I'm not nervous about. We joke about getting the virus and stuff, but I'm not, I'm not really all that nervous about getting sick. Especially, I mean, everything's kind of blown up now. Uh, while I'm up here, and the only people I see are Rod and the guy that owns the, uh, owns the property, so I'm not, hopefully, <laughs> concerned about getting in contact with anybody. But more so, uh, just kind of worried about the sore and, you know, you guys and how it affects how it's all going to affect small business. Cause, well,
0: uh, we were talking about it today. It slowed down big time the last few days. Yeah, no, we've been nervous.
4: Yeah, I, I know when I talked to you earlier today, Scott, you said that like the, the only customer we've had that day, or you guys had had that yeah. day, was the you gentleman know, in front of you.
0: Yeah, the PeekSite guy. You know,
4: I think about it like, yeah, I I hear about, you know, corporations and stuff sending people home and, you know, work from home, do this, do that, and we'll yep. take care of whatever, but... It's small business. That's not not exactly an option. No. You know? Well, you know, one of uh, one of like us or retail.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, one of, we're going to try to keep it a little bit lighthearted. We got Cody. We're going to take advantage of Cody being here. Um, we're going to talk about the hunting industry and and the correlation between target archery and hunting. You know, we've kind of kept this podcast a lot about target archery, but now we got a guy here who you know, loves to to make things bleed more than punching paper and foam, and we're going to talk about, you know, what he does and his his history, at least, with shooting target archery to make him a better hunter, and kind of key on that for our listeners, because, you know, we all probably hunt. If we shoot a bow, we probably hunt, and so we want to get Cody's insight into that, and we're going to talk to him about, you know, some of his social media stuff that he's got going on with some of the guys in the industry, you know, maybe give us some good stories and stuff like that, and... Throw some people under the bus. It's raw, <laughs> he's over there, like, Oh, god, <laughs> nope. <laughs> but, um,
3: anyways, and yeah,
0: bridge, that's what kind of like we're what we're kind of doing with this show, and um, and just talk about the state of archery. I mean, Cody's got his uh, his opinion, and he's definitely involved with the archery, is from a shop level, working directly with the manufacturers. He gets to talk with them day in and day out, and um. And just get his insight, basically. Talk about it. And, you know, we it's kind of a cool time to do that with all this coronavirus thing going on and all these organizations. I mean, Bridger, you just got the Indoor Nationals canceled on you. I mean, and now you got a question, hey, is the Arizona Cup going to happen? You know, what's your opinion on that?
4: Yeah, uh, no. I, dude, I, I mean, between Indoor Nationals and I think I just got a text from Jason, I haven't I haven't looked it up myself, but I heard about it. Uh, Fort Benning got canceled. Yep, sure did. And or I think I heard it from you, Scott. But uh, yeah, man, it's scary. And honestly, it makes it. Man, I'm, I'm being completely honest. It makes it tough for me to want to practice.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it does.
4: So, but thank thank God we live in Texas, and there's always something I can kill. So. Uh, <laughs>
0: Amen. Amen. We're
4: talking about the fact that we're talking about hunting today is. That's a big sigh of relief for me <laughs> because I'm 100%. I'm going to come back and make sure that that cure is set up and rocking and rolling because I'm going to go out and, I'm gonna, pardon my French, but I'm going to go out and kill some stuff.
1: <laughs> Tur- yeah. Turkey season starts next weekend, bro, so get back down here.
4: I, know, what? I, need, to, I need to go
1: call some birds
2: in. Yeah, there you go. I just I called in three of them yesterday, Courtney and yeah, I Courtney we're at, did at Fort Benning, and no mouth call, nothing. She's like, Jason, shut up. Listen. And I heard one gobble, and she's sitting there with. Courtney's never bird hunted or anything, and she's sitting there making hen noises, and she's got these toms gobbling back at her. <laughs> and all of a sudden, here come three of them out of the trees, and they no look kidding, and then they run away. And so now she's hooked.
1: Open and weekend's gonna be on
2: fire can, because can of the warm weather we
0: had. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That is cool. Yeah. So, anyways, let's get on. To- let's get back on to- on topic. Um, you know, Cody. One of the things we wanted to talk about. I mean, let's talk well, about your I archery. Back up. Well, yeah, back up. And a talk little. about. Yeah. So, I've had like
1: ten people ask me that come in and out of the shop. Cody, why haven't you been on the podcast yet? Yeah. And I've just got to say, I really don't like listening to myself talk. I'm sitting there looking but, at Jason right now, like Ricky Bobby. What do I do with my hands? So it's but. funny. It's funny he says that because me and Jason put were him talk- in your pockets. Yeah.
0: <laughs> me and Jason were talking about he's got that that perfect radio voice, right? Yeah, he sounds like a
2: radio uh, personality. Yeah, exactly. Maybe after today, got, he's gonna have it. He's a, got
4: a face. Got a face made for radio. It's
2: well, 20. yeah, he's
0: pretty. <laughs> he's definitely a pretty boy. Cody's. Cody's hot. No, ridiculous. he's hot. After
2: he's today, hot. he's going to find a new profession. He's going to be a radio personality. No, <laughs> a radio model. A radio model. Yeah,
0: look at him. He's a pretty boy. He's Whatever. a pretty <laughs> guy. Whatever. Bridger, is he hot? Let's talk about some tell, hunting. Let's tell, talk about tell, some hunting. Bridger, tell everybody how hot he is. For real. We need to ask Bridger. He's red, red hot. hot. Red hot. Red <laughs> hot. I love it. You made him blush. Yeah, he's actually red as a firecracker right now. <laughs> No, but this, this is going to be exciting because I, I can't wait to get him involved. I mean, get him excited about this. So. I
1: just want to say from my perspective, like uh, I haven't I haven't stepped into the the podcast here with these guys yet, but I've listened to every one of them. I love what's going on with it. I mean, I'm super excited about what it can do for the, you know, for Leading Edge and for the Leading Edge brand. Um, I think it's so cool to have something unique out there and a world that's flooded with you know, 1,855 podcasts on archery, but to really focus on the target and just from an everyday kind of perspective, not super high level, not the super low level, just everything that everybody can listen to and everybody can get involved with. And, you know, I, I'm i not a big target guy. I, I Like Scott said, I like to make things bleed, but, man, I notice a difference in my hunting and how confident I am in, shops, in shots whenever I spend more time behind a bow shooting at foam. And that's kind of yeah. what, you know, when t- Scott was talking about some possible topics to come up, I'm like, man, like for me, that's something I'd like to talk about at some yeah. point because it's, you know, I had I had literally the worst deer season of my life this year. <laughs> I I had an awesome elk season. Scott and I, Scott called in a just a awesome, a dandy Montana public land bull for me and I killed him and I don't even know how close it was. It was like 14, 15 yards. It was ridiculously close. So you know the, you don't need practice to make that shot, right? It just it just happened. It's automatic. But I get back here to Texas, and I go O for two on whitetail this year on some yeah. some good bucks, and I'm like, I don't know. I'm just I'm pissed off. And I look back, and am like, you start kind of backtracking and really looking at what happened and why it happened and what you're doing and just what's going on. And a couple of them, one of them was a tough shot. The other one I should have just it should have been a a layup but the other one was a little tough i had to hold back for a while but still that's something that you know use an archer practice and prepare for but i didn't do that this year as much as i should i didn't i shot some indoor just on some leagues and stuff here i think i shot one of our little local tournaments shot okay Uh, but just the repetition there and then just you know when you shoot foam like that day in and day out like you know you should be to be a good target archer it makes it so automatic and just mm-hmm. second nature when you right. get an animal in front of you and right you know i just look back at this year and i think that was huge for me and you know i, I that's why i want to talk about it because what i directly saw it do to my my archery this year
0: you know it's funny uh, you say
4: and, and and well go ahead you go first no go ahead jaybert i mean so, go ahead okay. bridge Jason, do you have anything? To say? No. Uh, it's funny. <laughs> well, he's drink. Like, he's drinking. Bu- he's you, drinking your like, Bush Light. You say with how much you shoot, yeah. With how much uh, you say you haven't been shooting enough, but you, you know, you. When I watch you shoot, Cody, you shoot pretty dang well. I mean, even when we shot that little sidewalk there, you shot. Uh, I think you shot like two ninety nine and three hundred and thirty or forty some odd X's. I mean, which I mean, for somebody that doesn't shoot a lot, just to pick up your bow and do that, but uh, like you talk about the being able to just pick up your bow and shoot a bunch and when you're shooting enough that everything's kind of automatic and you fall into that fall back into that in a hunting situation um i mean it just shoot the act of shooting a bow and being able to fall back onto that in a high pressure situation be it at a tournament or while you're hunting is super important because you can be the best shooter on the planet but if you never practice the second everything changes and you go to a a higher pressure situation
1: you get that animal just you, right in front of yeah, you, 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 you just you, everything changes absolutely
4: stuff, stuff goes sideways awful awful quick so, well, cause i mean even for me i don't i don't hardly ever shoot my hunting bow i shoot my hunting bow enough to sight it in and that's about it and not saying i'm a fantastic hunter but i mean for them, other than the four deer i shot at this year because i ain't used to them are we, gonna, are we gonna to talk, about talk about that? Do <laughs> you wanna talk about that, Bridget? Do you wanna talk about that?
3: Yeah, but, I wasn't gonna bring it up. <laughs> you had two
4: you had two deer. I had four of them. So I mean But I mean in the past I've always been very successful, uh, from a standpoint. i witnessed just yeah. for me, I'm just not used to how Texas deer react. But uh, yeah,
1: Yeah, it is. It's t- t- it's totally different. Almost here. Almost
4: every deer I've shot here in Iowa and uh, a couple of Axis deer I've shot down there. So um, since I've been there and stuff and the pig and everything, but being able to just kind of fall back and hit an automatic and let everything rock and roll and, you know, just shoot your bow and let an instinct take over. Yeah. So uh, if, when you shoot enough, it that's easy to do.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm, I don't, so first of all, homeboys being a crazy humble, so I'm going to call them out. Um, so Cody and I and our families actually used to travel and shoot the entire Texas ASA circuit we should shoot the entire Texas, shoot your way across Texas uh, indoor circuit. And literally, we were shooting every weekend.
1: Yeah, before yeah. the archery
0: shop, we did. We yeah, shot we shot almost, literally every weekend. It's kind of it, funny how you
1: own an archery shop
0: and you shoot less than you had before. Less yeah, 100%. <laughs> and I, no, the crazy part is, and, and I'm going to tell you right now, Cody, and I've told everybody this, and I have no problem admitting this, he's probably, in my opinion, the best at shooting long range than anybody I've ever seen when it comes to killing an animal. I mean, I've witnessed this guy make. <laughs> Remember the mule that's deer? Be, the that's mule because, deer? because I like it. Well, yeah. So I work with that like crazy. The I, mule deer in Montana. Nope. What was that sixty seven yard shot? uphill.
1: honestly I, I couldn't range him because directly because of the it grass was, it was a without long exposing way. <laughs> myself.
0: But the hillside behind him yeah. was like a touch over seventy and yeah. I just took a couple yards off it. Exactly. And, and then, you know, you, you also shot that one at dark, I mean, at what, 40-some yards? I mean, yeah. Cody has made some incredible long-range shots. And, I mean, so the correlation he's talking about, which is coming out of target archery into hunting, I think it's a real thing. Would Absolutely. you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. I think one of the things that a lot of guys are not taking serious, because most hunters put their bow down in January. They won't pick it up again until August, September, shoot it about two weeks, and then go try to kill animals. Correct? Absolutely, Absolutely.
4: Well, I I will say when, one thing I've noticed a little bit of work, you know, working down there at the shop being down in Texas is I think some Texas bow hunters, not all, but a larger majority of them compared to like up here in the Midwest uh, because you guys can kind of hunt well, not kind of, you can hunt year-round uh, a lot of bow hunters down there stay in practice longer, but man, I've got some horror stories talking about guys when I worked at the bow shop up here in Des Moines. It'd, it'd be October 1st, and a guy would come rolling in in full camo and lay his bow down on the bench and say, man, I, something's wrong with my bow. I missed. Like, well, <laughs> sir, did you... You, you Everything was sighted in. Well, I sighted in last year when I put it away.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, still, we get that, too. First, but
4: like The last arrow they shoot is at a deer, and they put their bow away for 10 months, and then the next arrow they shoot is opening day of bow season, trying to whack a doe. <laughs>
0: Yep, hundred yeah. percent. It we are. We're. Well,
4: I, don't, I guess I I see it a lot up here, just because I mean the opportunity to hunt is so much greater down there. Yeah, so it's easier to stay and practice on that that side of it.
1: And what Bridger's talking about is people that aren't from Texas, so we can bow hunt from pretty much the last weekend in September, first weekend in October, depending on how it falls through basically the middle of january every year for whitetail that's right. our whitetail season but we're blessed because we live in the hill country area where we've got a ton of free-ranging axis and exotics that have gotten off you know these ranches over the years and they're just they're flourishing they're beautiful man they taste good so they're super fun to hunt and then not to mention hogs and all that. So, yeah, we, we've we got a very – this whole area is an extremely target-rich environment, and that's, you know, it it makes
0: it fun. It makes it a ton of fun. Yeah, and it's, he's right. And so with that, we can kind of shoot our bows year-round. When, you know, Bridger, probably yeah. in Iowa, most guys are shutting down going fishing, right?
4: Yeah, we – so in Iowa, our whitetail season for archery anyways runs from October 1st uh, through – the first Friday before a full weekend in December. So, mm-hmm. I mean, October, all of October and all of November. Right. And a couple of days bleed, bleed into December.
3: So
1: that's a long season, a lot like Texas. And that's Texas. our
4: own, I mean, it's two months, but that's the only time we have to hunt. Yeah, right. Well, you know, and excluding, you know, if you don't feel tagged, you can do late season, and then we have turkey as well. But right. as a total, the you know, as far as bow hunting, be it whitetail, or uh, eastern turkeys, uh, we have about I think you are three, oh, four months in total. Yep. Otherwise, you can't really. I mean, can't go out and kill anything other than fish. Right. So, the only only big game we have are white tail and turkey.
0: Right. So, Cody, why don't you talk about your um, you know, your setup? I mean, you you, you shoot a bow hunting type bow, Isn't even that, in bow hunter class.
1: I literally try and shoot two bows that are as close as I can get them, almost. I mean, not the exact same bow. Like, I'll dress the poundage down. Sometimes right. I like I, I like the feel of a longer bow. I've been playing with, you know, like a 39-inch bow this year. Right. Or my hunting bow, you know, is typically a 35. If I can get away from it, I might go down to a 33. But, right. you know, I shoot nothing but bow hunter class, yeah. and I keep that. I When I shoot 3D, I want a pin gap because it keeps me in practice for... When I'm out hunting, and, yeah. and I walk up on an animal, and I'm spotting and stalking at 46 yards. I've been doing that all year, Yeah. so I know right where to put it and go with it, and I keep them pretty close on setups, at least from a speed perspective, so it right. helps me with that, and from a feel and a balance. I mean, Scott tried to make me try <laughs> the, the long bar crap. I don't know, what was it, four or five years ago? Yeah. I tried it for about two weeks it and, was funny. and said, F that, and, and went right back to it. I just... You know, it just didn't feel as natural to me. I think yeah. that's what it was. It wasn't yeah. that it that there's anything wrong well, with it. It just didn't feel as natural, and I'm like, "What's this doing for me?" Well, I, yeah, I
3: struggle with that overlap. Stay,
2: you're trying to stay consistent. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. You're you're truly staying true to your roots when it comes to bowhunter. Absolutely. I mean, because Cody will go out in the course and see these, you know, bright red Hoyt Invictus sitting there with. You know, all the bells and whistles, and it's not a bow you're going to take out in the woods to hunt with. Absolutely not. You could literally take Cody's target bow and go kill an animal. Absolutely. Yeah, without a doubt. And I think that's one of the cool things. So I think one of the biggest transitions I've seen Cody make in the last, let's say, six, seven years since you I have been buddies. Well, really, it's your release. Yeah. You have transitioned from a puncher to a true puller. No. Right? But you do that with the trigger release. So why don't you talk about that a little I bit? I mean, I I was
1: horrible about just <laughs> yep. yanking it. Man, I could yank with the best of them out there, not to sound inappropriate. But you were pretty good but, at it. <laughs> 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 but that's what I did, man. I just, I, all right, the pins there, squeeze it, go. Yeah. And and I shot a really what I would call a high wrist and just pushed that bow out there like that to try and get myself a little. I mean, it was a completely uneducated approach to it. I just did it because in my mind it made sense to get a little extra half an inch or inch of draw length, about pushing the bow way out there. I would run the release as long as I could like that. And then I would just reach for it and grab I me. Mean, I, and I'm not talking, just put my finger on it and slap it. I mean, my finger would be behind that trigger and I would do the whole freaking swing around and grab a hold of that thing and just let it fly. He's not it was, lying. it was bad, but yeah, I mean, Scott, I just, you know, I guess when I'd really got deep into the shop, with three years ago with you guys and just making it a, it was a, a part of my daily life at that right. point and playing with new releases and doing that. And, and man, it's just, it's crazy how much, you know, grabbing, what I did is I grabbed the Carter. Yeah, Scott Carter. put a Carter RX-1 yeah. in my hand and made it light and taught me to wrap my finger around it and, and pull. Yeah. And it sucked for a while. <laughs> <laughs> really bad. Yeah. But the more and more I worked at it, you know, it, it did. It, it helped a ton. And man, and that's what you get. Like when you go through an indoor, you know, and we were talking about it in the shop and some of the 3D results, some of our people have already been, you know, to a couple 3D tournaments and shot well. And those folks were the ones that were just really grinding all indoor season. Yeah, right. And, you know, immediately went out. But it's the same thing with hunting. Like you grind all indoor yeah. and shoot that little tiny X the whole time. And then you grind through 3d season and you know, then you get to poke a little bit and get out there yardage and look at some, some foam that looks like animals at least, Yeah, which is a touch funner in my opinion than indoor because it looks like animals. They don't bleed, but they look like (laughs) animals at least, but just, you know, the correlation from one to another. And then into your summer, you can, you know, start playing with some yardages and stuff like that. I, I would say this for guys that, that, are not target guys but hunters and want to get better you need to get your butt in an archery shop yeah. and shoot some leagues shoot some paper leagues i'm not saying this because i'm an owner of a shop i'm saying this because it's directly helped me to get the right equipment to get a carter type release or something i mean that's that's a release a lot of pros yeah still today shoot, shoot you know it's extremely car. responsive it works well but yet you can still hunt with it i think i got like three or four of the things yeah there's one in the glove box of every truck in case, just in case <laughs> i need it you know and but he forgets to, them. To do that and, you know, get the right equipment like that and start grinding with it. And there's nothing wrong with with just having one bow, but playing with it on a paper format and really teaching yourself a shot process. That's, to me, paper and indoor creates a shot process. Yeah. That's where that's really just honed in and done. And then you move on to 3D and can play with some funner stuff. But right. it indoors, you know... I hate it, but God, it helps me. Man, it helps you. The more indoor I shoot, it's crazy how much better I am.
4: Not only that, but like when we, so like the way, at least the way we run our league there at the store, doing the the shoot-up, shoot-off style stuff. Absolutely. It creates a little bit of pressure and uh, causes you to go through a little bit of anxiety. And even though it's wildly different, your body responds in similar ways. And, you know, whether you're, you know, shooting for, Third or first place in our shoot up deal for you know twenty or forty bucks or whatever it is versus you know shooting at a big deer or uh, pig or whatever it is you're hunting elk or whatever it is you're hunting, but uh, understanding how your body responds allows you to kind of control that situation a little better.
0: Well, you know it's funny you say that, and I wanted to, Cody, I want you to expound upon about the fact of like indoor. You know, I'm a big advocate, and I say this, I say this all the time. You know, champions are made in indoor archery. Because it's a repetitive cycle that you're, like you said, you're, you're working your shot process. But, you know, I think one of the big things, and I think you'll probably agree with this, is, you know, how to aim small. How yep. to aim. I mean, yep. aiming is so important. So I imagine you, when you get on the side of an animal, like a big elk or a, a whitetail, you know, you're picking a spot. Absolutely. It's not, you know, quite frankly, with a whitetail deer, for example, we probably got a what, Jason? A 8 to 10 inch shot, you know, aiming yeah. point. You know, with a bull elk, you probably got eighteen to twenty-four inches. But no. you are not aiming eighteen to twenty-four. Absolutely correct? not. You can't. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta you gotta hone in, and
1: depending on the yardage and the shot and right. all that. Like this year, I mean, I just I had oh, both yeah. eyes open. It was so <laughs> close, just, like. But Scott was there with me, called in a bull several years ago in northern Colorado, and the bull was. Gosh, it was it was over a sixty yard shot. I'm not trying to toot my horn here, oh, no. it, but yeah, it was a shot that was pretty far that a lot of folks wouldn't take. But because of the amount of shooting we did that year, from indoor to outdoor three D to shooting sixty, eighty, seven, you know, a hundred yards in in the backyard, yeah, that shot you didn't think twice about, but you had to. And looks that far, you got to aim small. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just a just a throw it and go it, you know, and let it rip. But yeah, it teaches you to aim small. And 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 I'll say this too from a setup standpoint. Well, I was going to talk about that setup. Yeah. You guys hunt all day long and I'm sorry. And you're outside and you're shooting a shot. That's a little bit different every time. It's really hard to hone in your setup. Yeah. But when you're shooting a little bitty tiny X 70, 80, a hundred times on a, on a tournament, it really shows you what's weak in your setup. Right. And it teaches you even, and I do it with my hunting bows. Like I'll, it teaches you how to change that. how the thing reacts to really get that bubble in a good flat, you know, flat ground, perfect scenario, right. you know that bubble goes, you know, right where it should. Everything's right in the grip, and the whole nine yards, the right feel. Like it teaches you that. And then outdoor, even in three D, your foot, your footing's not perfect every right. time. But you, right. you know, you go right back to where that bubble is and trust all that. And you had all that done since indoor, so it just it makes it helps you hone in your, your setup so much more as well.
0: So, you know, so I'm so glad you brought that up because I wanted to talk about a little bit about this because, you know, most of the traditional bow hunters, and I imagine Bridger, you probably see this in Iowa a lot where the guys are running a, you know, a six inch piece of metal or aluminum off the front of the bow, you know, it's a traditional stabilizer. And, um, you know what, yeah. yeah. And what we do here differently is we really put target technology into our hunting bows. And what Cody's talking about is you know his target. Honestly, his hunting bow looks like a mini target bow. In a sense, it's got a six to eight or an eight to ten or a t- twelve to ten target. You know, dual bar setup. Absolutely. To to really accommodate the things you're talking about. Now we're we're of course talking about Western mountain hunting, not so much shooting twenty yards out of a tree stand or out of a blind here in Texas. But you know, we're really big in the in the elk hunting community out here, mule deer out west. I mean, talk a little about Cody about how that setup works so well for you to help you manage every environment that you see on the mountain it does you got to think about every
1: environment you got to think about the wind you got to think about all that kind of stuff and there's so many different things out there to really kind of play with i mean from the the quivalizer and you know dan came out with that a couple years ago and it's been something that i've implemented during elk season a lot just because of the functionality of it from hauling it up and down the mountain but i mean it does it works well it helps you kind of balance it's like putting a you know, a 24 inch bar off the front of your, your bow. You know, I struggle a little bit when I see people that run just that on the front of their bow yeah. <laughs> and not, you know, something off yeah. the back Be and that's, that's the target side of me coming out from what, what Scott's pounded down, down my throat, you know, like he's, he's really kind of pounded that into me. And, you know, I put, if I run a quivalizer, I do put a back bar on that. I'll run the quivalizer off the the right hand side of my bow mm-hmm. and run a, you know, another dual bar off the the back left-hand side to create that same kind of feel. Uh, I will admit the Quivelizer can be a little bit like a kite in, in high wind situations, but you got to think about it. a lot of times when you're elk hunting, which is usually what I'm doing. I, I do like to mule deer hunt as well, but it's, it's a lot of time, pretty thick timber and, and wind's just not an equation. And you can usually get off a shot and, and, and work your way through those scenarios most of the time. But, it it does. It helps you encourage you to play with different setups. I don't necessarily get to play with equivalizer a lot during target shooting, but I'll get a bow and get a bow balanced from a weight perspective how I want it, and then throw equivalizer or something like that on that to kind of feel similar and, and play with that. And there's times that I just you know it doesn't feel right on a certain bow, and it it does on others. But you know it does. We we usually run you know, from a true hunting perspective you know, a 12 to uh, eight to 12 inch bar off the front of the bow, maybe, maybe as low as a six, depending on what, what bow it is and how bad it wants to fall forward. And then, you know, a six to, tw- again, six to 10 or so on the back. And, you know, you look at these hunting setups, it's the exact same kind of balance. It's just kind of shrunk down a little bit yeah. for the most part. Yeah. And you get that feel, you get that balance. You can, you know, it, that balance does a lot of things for me. One of the biggest things is in a scenario where I need it, speed of shot. Yeah. you know as i can throw yeah. that thing up yeah, it goes yeah, yeah. that bubble goes right to the center yeah and i don't have to even think about that right. because it's right where it should now granted if i've got a can into a mountain or something like that that's a little bit different but just being able to have it right there and that, again that's where you know indoor and shooting flat services kind of shows you that and then you transfer it over you yeah.
2: do well jason even
0: you i mean you use a dual bar setup on your I do. hunting bows
2: yeah when i first when i first came to you guys and i was shooting that that old school hunting bow i i had you know you're your walmart special front bar (laughs) that was probably about three (laughs) inches long and covered in in rubber right um and after seeing you guys run dual bars on your hunting bows i decided to give it a try and man it makes a a a world of a difference especially for me you know i don't i don't have that initial core balance already right so i need my bow to be as dead and balanced in my hands as, as possible right um, especially in that that higher pounder situation for me, and running a dual bar um, with 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 weight, not just running the bars, right. but you know throwing some weight on there, balancing the bow has made a world of difference. I've yeah. been able to hold steadier uh, and make the right shots. Uh, whenever that Oryx I shot last year in in April, yeah, I think I held that bow for about a minute and a half, waiting on the right moment because there was a a couple other uh, cows standing behind that bull. And I had to sit there for about a minute and a half waiting for my guide to just say, hey, take yeah, it. Take them. Right. Had I been running something different, I don't know if I would have been able to hold that bow steady right. and, and, and have it sit dead in my hands. Well, like you
0: that. know, and it's funny you say that, and I want to talk about expounding what Cody was talking about because I think one of the things that we overlook in the community, and I'll tell you why, um, you, we are so ingrained, and Bridget, I know you will agree with this a 1,000%. We are so pre-programmed because of marketing with certain companies about Um, you know how dead in the hand a bow is how quiet it is you know and and how vibration free those type of things and cody keaton i think one of the most important pieces of picking the right bow is balance or how well how quick it comes to aim you know i'll give prime some props you know they created the synergy the center grip technology system in their bows over the last what three years yeah and Mm-hmm. The, um, the 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 speed that it takes to get the bows to sit center and aim well is what well, is half the time
1: it is it, it is. really is especially from just a bare bow perspective too i think right. it does way better than any other bow out there just straight up there's right. some bows in my opinion you can't shoot without that kind of setup with a correct. with a tr- with a good solid dual bar setup correct or some of them you can you can get away and that's important when you're going out west sometimes too because of just overall weight and carrying the dang thing up and down a mountain and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it balances everything A speed of shot, but you know, just consistency too. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah that's that speed of shot. I think is overlooked there's because a, there's I a mean, huge difference between a bow that's balanced at, you know, and not balanced when you get out past 50 yards. And I think most people can kind of get away with it inside of 50 yards. Oh,
0: 20 yards is a
1: no-brainer. Yeah. Not, it doesn't matter. But you start reaching out past well, that, you've got to have a bow that's balanced. It's just, yeah. it, it shines, man. That's where it really, really, really shines for you. Right.
4: So, and, and, like, for me, one thing, I, I mean, before when I was selling bows, I'm up here in the Midwest and selling bows, you guys, you know, really shooting 20 yards out of a tree stand. my My big thing when I would talk to people about trying to get them to get into a Little bit higher dollar sale, stabilizer setup, one that's more akin to what we sell there at the store now, um, you know, with a front bar and a back bar. Uh, biggest pushback I get is like, ah, that's that's what them Target guys shoot. You don't need any of that
3: shooting <laughs> right. button bow. Well, we're accurate. A,
4: there's
1: a reason they're putting them on the bow, <laughs> yeah.
4: right? Well, exactly. You know, I said, man, I, I spend all this time and money and uh, everything to make sure I'm shooting really well with my Target bow. Man, you're trying to go out and kill something. Wouldn't you want to be able to make the best possible shot you could?
3: You would so, think so, exactly. And
4: with, I mean, putting a stabilizer in your bow isn't going to make you a better shooter, but it's going to make it a hell of a lot easier for you to become a better shooter.
0: Yeah, not at all. Exactly. You know. So, yeah, yeah this for, one, that's, that was
4: always my thought process behind it, and I don't know. I've always set my bows up like that ever since I started shooting target, and I've always had really good luck getting a hunting bow even if it was one that I didn't like quite as much, um, getting to hunt and go to shoot really well
0: for me. Right. Yeah. And, you know, for the listeners out there, if you haven't had a chance, you know, to experience a true, really good, properly set up dual bar system, you need to go out and try it. I mean, if you're going to, tr- if you have aspirations to go out west and hunt and shoot past that 50, 60 yard window, which I think you need to be proficient up to about 80, Cody, would you agree? Yeah, go Absolutely. West. Yeah, um, the dual bar setup will completely change the game for you.
1: Especially on deer hunting, man. Mule deer, I mean, a lot more it can be open country, a little yeah. bit further out oh, there, yeah. a little bit smaller target than an elk. So 80 right. yards is it's different for everybody. Some people are going to sit there and say that's not ethical. But, man, if you put in the work, it absolutely is. Oh, no and, doubt. And, and if it's not ethical to you, then don't take that shot. But right. if you feel confident in it, then, then you need to be ready for it and be yeah. able to do
0: it. The technology in the bows today is... Allowing archers to extend their range. He's one of our big mantras here extend your range. And we were, we were trying to play to get that 100. in. <laughs> <laughs> do what? <I? laughs> you snuck that in. Yeah, yeah, I did. No, but for real, I mean, the, the bows will do it. They'll shoot good to 100 yards if you put yep. the work in. Um, and with the systems that are out there available the, with balancing the bows, the rest that are out there, you know, the let offs. I mean, we talk about let offs forever. I mean, the, everything is there to make you a great archer as far as you want to basically shoot the bow, but you got to put the work in. We believe in that. Dual bars, and I'm not trying to sit here and, and
1: toot leading edge, just horn here. But we believe in that so much. We tell folks when they come in here, oh, yeah. Yeah. if you're, you know, interested in it, take it. Let us set it up for you. Take it and go shoot it. Go shoot it out past 50 yards and see what it does. And if it doesn't change, you don't like it, bring them back and we'll take them, we'll buy them back from yep. you exactly. because we believe in it so much. And that yeah. that's that's what I want to relay to people that are listening, like. Find somebody that'll work with you like that if you can and go do that and go, go give it a shot because it'll, you know, I mean, you're going to drop, I've been getting text messages from everybody the last couple of days putting in for New Mexico and a lot of these states and, you know, just to get a tag for New Mexico's well over a thousand dollars. Yeah. You know, you start traveling and all the stuff that you're going to do, you're going to put thousands of dollars into these sneaking hunts, you know, and, and why would you not want to be as proficient, you know, and, and. You, you, as accurate as you can to as far as you can to maximize your opportunity to be able to safely harvest an animal
0: yeah 100 100 and that's
1: why i think to come back to the target side on that like set that bow up and even if you're just a weekend where you're having fun at local 3d shoots and you know you're you're like well i don't want to run a bar to equivalizer because it might make you know put me in a different class so what who cares about the class (laughs) right if you want to be a better hunter, go shoot with the open boys, and you know just worry about competing against yourself and right. and making good shots at different yardages on targets, and and you know show yourself. It's all about the setup at point and yeah. seeing what the setup will do for you to kind of bleed over. That's that's how I look at target archery. Right. It's not about how many twelves I can shoot. It's about how good my bow feels, in my hands when I'm executing these shots at these different ranges to prepare myself for the fall for the hunt.
0: Yeah. No, that's that is dude. That's like the best advice ever.
2: It's funny that you you're talking about scoring. You don't care how many twelves you shoot or anything. I've always talked smack on 3D and always <laughs> messed with you guys and everything. But man, I was just in at camp in Salt Lake City, and uh, Scott's got the message, and so does Bridger. I I got to shoot an indoor 3D league with the uh, Easton and Hoyt people. I'm ready to go kill something because that was a lot of fun, and and it does get you pumped up. I think there was a a sixty five or sixty six yard elk shot. Yeah. That was my favorite target. Yep. Uh I wasn't worried about hitting a ten or a twelve or anything. I was just putting in the crease and taking a shot. Yep. Um uh, and it does make you that much better of a shooter, you know, being able to go out there and, and see all these targets. You see the elk, you see the the chamois, you see the mule deer, the does, the the all the different types of animals and, and you get to familiarize yourself with it. Yep. So when the moment comes you're ready.
1: And I'll throw a bone at, at to archery challenge right now on that because oh, yeah, we've got yeah. that coming up. The Texas shoot is, it's just down the road from us. It's a little over a month, month and a half from now
3: mm-hmm.
1: that I look forward to that more than anything else all year from a target perspective, because you can go out there with your boys and talk some smack and just yeah. let them <laughs> fly out to, you know, whatever yardage you can and just yep. create real life hunting scenarios. That well, shoot does it more than anything else. And, Maybe it's a point. Like I love it so much that the last three years in a row, I've traveled to shoots outside the yeah, state just to go Texas. get yeah. that elevation and the the up and down, right. the angles and all that, to just to show myself where I'm at in that summertime to prepare yeah. for for the fall.
3: Well, funny thing, Bridger, what you what you
0: what'd you tell me, Bridger? You it was the fun. It was the I, the funnest thing yeah, you've ever done with, is shooting your bow. Yeah, I went, So Cody, you talked about
4: going out of the state to get elevation and see where you're at and stuff. I went with you to the one in big sky montana uh and i had set up my hunting bow i brought my hunting bow with me and everything and which by the way to give a shout out to you you said you like to shoot the 3d stuff with pin gapping and everything i set up my bow shooting like freaking laser beams because i got such a low peep sight so i could make it out far enough but uh like you were shooting that using pin gaps the entire time and we're shooting everything from 20 yards clear out to how we had stepped back to like 120 or five or 135 yards to shoot that Sasquatch. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That was awesome. Oh yeah. you just kind of but rear back and let it fly, but it it was a fun,
3: No, yeah, Yeah, that's what
4: the most fun. I think probably the most fun I've ever had shooting a bow.
1: I agree. I agree. And I, I even like to go out there sometimes if, you know, one thing that's good about owning an archery shop is, arrows come a little bit cheaper than for most people
3: <laughs> you know a guy so I, I know a guy, a guy. <laughs>
1: i think i went to tack montana last year with close to three dozen arrows and came back with seven yeah and a lot of that's <laughs> self-inflicted because of exactly what bridger's talking about <laughs> but we had fun with it man and, and i'll do a lot of them without even ranging because right you know a lot of times you have an elk that spins on you and, and backs up 10 or 15 yards and you gotta be able to make that shot and just right. It looks completely different up there than it does up here, and there's a lot of shots that I, you know, would try and make. And I wouldn't go for the 140-yard Sasquatch without, you know, knowing. But, <laughs> but you know, like some 50-yard deer shots and stuff like that, I kind of just let it fly and see what happened, and, yeah. and that's fun to do for me. I'm kind of I'm kind of mad that ASA took the, you know, the unknown factor out of the bowhunter class yeah they Because have that's a something lie. that I enjoyed really yeah. kind of playing with from a true bow hunter setup, and like I said, I don't care about scores, so I may just go see shoot an open sea well, or I something mean, sometime and just let them fly point. yeah I don't you're yeah. right, I don't
0: <laughs> yeah, there you go' but, you know it's funny because Cody is really using the sport for the end result purpose of being a better hunter absolutely period that's all i really care about. that's all you care about yeah it yeah. is. And, and i think it's something a lot of our listeners can take into you know take into account you maybe shoot your bow and i'm i know fishing is popular during the summertime but you know you get your butt out there and shoot your bow and work on your release work on those different things you will be a better hunter absolutely we, we do need a couple new targets cool. though
2: We need ASA to create a Texas ducking deer.
0: Yeah, the one that
2: moves. Something that's mechanical, (laughs) or like a jumping black buck.
4: All you need to do is replace replace the legs with springs. uh, Yeah, there you go. Yeah, no kidding.
0: connect
4: connected to your arrow, so when you shoot, it'll yank a string and drop it. Right. No kidding.
1: I had a buddy come down from I won't say who it is or where he's from, but I'll just say the Midwest, and it's not you, Bridger. It's another guy. he's directly (laughs) affiliated with a bow manufacturer and came to Texas hunting not too long ago and let an arrow fly at a Texas whitetail, Hill Country whitetail. And I can't remember if he didn't hit it or hit it high, but we're asking like, bro, what happened? What happened? His best explanation was, bro, have you ever seen a deer do a burpee? (laughs) 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 That's what they do down here. That's crazy. That is hilarious. It's crazy.
4: That is true. Well and for me I hate it because it's like, Oh man, you just, just aim low, just aim low. But, dude, I've been I've been aiming at deer the same way for twenty years. It's kinda of, it's hard to break that habit.
3: Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> Not to run it after the little squirrel hill down the trail, but it, it I I do. I think we live in one of the hardest areas to hunt deer oh, because, and it's it's no self inflicted because of feeders and things like that that we have down here, but the deer man, they're edgy and they they drop like crazy when they hear the sound of a bow or something like that. And, and I mean, I, the one one of the ones that I hit this year, I let it fly about 27, 28 yards. And, you know, I put my 20-yard pin a little bit low on them, thinking that I would be good, and tucked it in. It was quartering away, tucked it in behind the shoulder, let the arrow fly. That deer dropped and rolled away from me, and the arrow hit up in no man's land. Yeah. Up near the spine, yep. on the top of the shoulders, he rolled back
0: and down yeah. as
1: he as he turned to run. And it's crazy. I've seen that that deer a couple of days ago back on camera. Yeah, right. That's and and that's
0: about an 18 inch drop. I mean, at 27 yards, give
1: or take. I've looked at yeah. it a, a thousand times on my oh, yeah. on my phone, slow mode, kind of going back. But you know, it's it's a pretty hefty drop. I yeah. give him at least 10 guaranteed. I mean, it, it just it is, and they do that like crazy. It's one of the hardest areas to kind of hunt. You do. There's a lot of times, especially like my wife, she'll shoot. Sometimes two or three inches under a deer right. to hit a deer. In the dirt. Yeah. Below yeah. the deer's belly oh, yeah. to hit the deer. And people can't do that.
0: I have told so many people this that you know, I've hunted, you know, all over the country, hunted every just about every game animal you can imagine. And the Texas whitetail is the toughest animal. I always get a kick out of it. If you can shoot one of these and kill one, you can kill any animal in North America.
1: I remember Blake saying the same thing about you when you came down here.
0: Oh, from, it was bad when you first it moved to bad. Texas. <laughs> it,
3: it is if yeah, you're not bad. used to it.
0: It's no, it's crazy. I it's tore crazy. my bow apart, literally tore it apart, thinking there was something wrong with it. Yeah, and then put it back together, and it was all the deer. Now we'll see next year. I have yet to take a shot at a
2: whitetail. Oh, a uh, hill dude, country dude, whitetail. Because well, everything wait. that you guys have seen me shoot has been yeah. either south yeah. or north. Yeah, right. And but it's that, crazy.
1: How you can go just. Two or three hours south of where we're at here, get into, don't get happen. into deer that they just don't do that. Right. Well, they're they're northern genetic strain
0: deer yeah. at that point. So, yeah.
2: I mean, I have killed some some hill country deer, but they can't duck a
0: bullet. Bridger will tell you. I mean, I'm from Ohio, and he's from Iowa. I mean, Bridge, the deer we hunt don't do that. <laughs> they take it like a oh, man. They, they just-
4: they just sit there and look at you yeah. and the bone goes off
0: and they'll watch the arrow hit him. into the ribcage. Exactly. Ow. Yep. And
4: then they'll sit there and look back at you and try and figure out what yeah. the hell what happened. What the heck just happened? Hey,
0: why am I bleeding? Ow. So Hey, I want to switch gears a little bit, Cody. Um, I want you to talk a little bit about, you know, Cody is really in tune with the social media world. I mean, he's definitely got some good contacts out there. I know you... You talk almost daily with some of these guys. Um, you know, give us a little insight. I mean, what's going on with, like, because we've talked a lot about the social media aspect and what it's doing to archery and to the hunting community, you know, the good, the bad, basically. And I know you see both sides of it, being a shop owner. Definitely, definitely. I mean, I mean it, what's your take on that?
1: I'll say this. I I don't think I'm, like, super in tune. There's a lot more people out there that are way more in tune. But He's being I, humble. I do, like, the guys that, that I follow and keep up with, I consider friends. Right. And I look at their stuff from a very, you know, friendship oriented perspective and not, you know, it's funny how I've even migrated away from, you know, some of those folks that seem to just be trying to sell stuff. Right. And, you know, I'm really attracted to organic material. That's just who you are and how you are. Right. And what you are as a person, a hunter, all that stuff, the good, the bad, the ugly, you know, I, I don't, I don't like the little bikini warriors out there, that side of it. I think that side of it's really just kind of overflooded. And I think that's kind of starting to weed itself out a little bit here the last, the last, you know, six, eight, 10 months. Um, but man, it's the good hunting has been, and maybe this is a bad, I don't know, but it's been kind of romanticized in a lot of way. And, and, it's i think it's helping right now generate some of the newer crowds into hunting it's one of the key sources that are getting right new young kids into it because of you know the guys like like Eric and the Hush and Crew and Casey B Mac and what they're doing and 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 you go to a show or or see them somewhere and just a number of young kids that are just drawn right into oh, their man. groups they're and what huge. they're doing and yeah. it's it's that's the cool aspect of right. it to me and and why i love those guys right I appreciate those guys um, but on the flip side, there's a lot of them that are just all about tooting their own horn. Right. And, and I don't like that, but we, as a, as hunters have to be thinking about how we can generate new, cause we're losing way more hunters every year right now than we're gaining and picking right. up. Right. And, you know, I think the, the kids where that's going to come from. Um, new hunters, even, you know, adult age onset hunters, you know, and social media is picking a lot of those up. Right. Um, you know, BHA, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and get on on that rodeo, you know, on that horse tonight, but that's something that they do. They, they bring right. a lot of adult-onset hunters in, and it's one thing I love. There's a lot of things those guys do that I don't right. disagree with. Right. One thing they are good at is doing that, and there's a lot of great guys that are associated with that group and, and from what they're doing and, and bringing stuff in. Um, it's funny how there's not a lot of folks that are kind of, you know, I, I think maybe Chris B. Right. Um, is doing a good job of being successful in the target in the hunting world. Um, you know Dudley has got his cult following and doing what he's doing but right. you know what the problem with is everybody has a voice right. and a lot of those voices just aren't man yeah. you know we see it on setups that walk in here. Oh, yeah. well I saw this yeah. online I want right. to try this I want to do this I want right. to do that and things that we've been doing or not doing forever in archery shop and they make it seem like it's the newest greatest thing right. since sliced bread and, and it's not but you know I would say use your judgment You know, like look into who you're following and not just from, you know, know, people that are selling stuff, I'll say it straight up, unfollow them. If they're just constantly selling stuff, unfollow them. There's no point. There's nothing, you know, they're just trying to push something to to move a needle in their direction.
0: I call that pushing product for profit. Yeah. And,
1: and, you know, I steer away from that stuff because of that, Um, you know, the guys like, like the hushing guys, the guys like Born and Raised, man, those guys are just, just they're still real well, in my wrong. opinion. Yeah, and authentic. Yeah. And I well, my favorite thing to watch every year is that Born and Raised, their whole series guys on awesome. stuff. It's just God. they don't care how big the bull is or what it is. No. They're gonna let an arrow fly and they're gonna get pumped up and they're helping their buddies and they call yeah. their buddies and all fifteen of them show up to help them, you know, pack it off right. a mountain and just that's the kind of stuff that I love that right. needs to be more created and, and you know and talked about out there in my right. opinion. Right.
4: Well, well, and they're the guys like that are anybody that builds recognition because of who they are and the type of person they are and, you know, the amount of effort and time that they put into their craft, be it, you know, hunting and fishing or uh, hell, underwater basket weaving, whatever it may be, those are the type of people that deserve recognition, not, not, uh, not somebody that, you know, just happens to have a, have a good pair of personalities. Right. Hanging out on the well, internet, you yeah. know, that, you know, just sees that as a way to uh, potentially make money or, you know, and and I mean, that's another side of it is, you know, people trying to get involved in the industry to make money instead of using it as, you know, as an escape or as, you know, something they're just passionate about. Right.
0: Well, and there's a whole other movement. Cody, I want you to talk a little bit about this. I mean, as a self-proclaimed chef yourself, I mean, <laughs> Cody, no, Whoa. Oh crap. He makes a really, really good steak. I-, I still say to this day that Cody's steak is far and above better than any I've had publicly.
1: We- I know what we need to do. Here's what we need to do, Bridger.
4: No. You, that's a first, you and I need to have a cook-off. And and if, if, it is, there yeah, it is. There it is. If, if
1: I win, eaten, right? you have to sing on the podcast. Oh, there it is. I like that. And
3: if you
0: <laughs> oh, win, I will rap on the podcast. Wait, wait,
2: wait, wait, oh, wait, wait, wait wait, 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 wait. Did you Did wait, hear that? Wait. Write this down.
0: Stand by. That is out.
2: Can I join in on this?
0: Yeah. You could cook a
3: steak?
2: Bro, oh, just because I'm in a wheelchair doesn't mean that I wasn't able to cook before.
0: For real. Come on, man. Okay, so Tabasco, <laughs> I've never had any of your food. Your wife's, but not you.
2: So all those times that I made ceviche and you scarfed the whole bowl okay, down. that's
1: amazing. Ceviche, yeah. that's just like... For all repair. meat cut up and mixed so in with Gordon stuff, right? That's not Jason's
4: a Jason's wife is from Canada. I don't <laughs> uh, okay. think she knew a ton of Mexican dishes. No, <laughs> negative ghost <laughs> right here. He
3: made games. Bridger,
0: you've eaten tacos at my house that I've made. So wait, not talking oh, tacos. Yeah, awesome, so dude. we're talking steaks now. Can you season a steak and cook one?
2: If you need to season a steak, you're already wrong. Oh, there it is. There it well, is. I mean, he just
0: exposed the rookie pepper. in this straight white guy here. Salt and pepper. Yeah, there you go. No, but I wanted to talk a little bit about Cody, about you. And I know that you're a big follower of, you know, from from how we eat clean and the whole movement with like Steve Rinella and Meat Eater. That's had a big impact in the industry. Yeah. Would you agree? That's one of my favorite shows too because
1: yeah. of that. I mean, there's a lot of things, again, good and bad. But I love how pretty much during every show he eats whatever it is and yeah. goes through a couple ways of cook stuff. And I'm not going to go dig a bunch of coal fat out of something and wrap and, and yeah. wrap. <laughs> Meatballs in it and cook yeah, it, but exactly. I love the usage side of it and just the, you know, the extras out of it and the the utilization. It's a, it's a respect thing yeah. towards the animal in my opinion, and oh. and that's where, you know, again, that's a lot of adult onset folks are coming from that movement, the Rogans, the guys like that mm-hmm. that have been introduced and well, he's created. Man, a, I'm
0: all about it. He's created a cult following, yeah. seri- essentially mm-hmm. from people who want to know where their meat comes from. The mm-hmm. whole antibiotic, the I don't want to talk about. I don't want to eat hormone induced yeah. meat. And I mean, I think that's a big movement. Would you agree? Absolutely. And yeah. elk
1: meat, you know, folks that have been down here, come down here and kill an axis, a free range access oh my somewhere. Yeah. it'll yeah. rival any elk any day. I I, I promise you, it's yeah. phenomenal. Percent. That movement, it, it's cool to me because I like to try new things and right. do different things with meat. From, you know, cooking it like old school style like my grandma used to with chicken fried deer meat and things like that to, you know, to what Jason's talking about. These, you know, these fancy dishes and stuff, you know, the good old steak's good every now and then, but trying to other stuff and playing with it and using, you know, the meat in a hundred different ways is is just, man, it's fun.
2: I had never eaten heart until that one day that you made it.
4: Not only him building curiosity with newer adult onset hunters, but like even myself, I had never eaten uh, dear heart, until okay, I'd that's watched,
0: disgusting. Uh, of of I'm just gonna call it. No, and I'll tell you
4: what, Scott's gonna say it tastes like crap, but it tastes like crap. Opinion, it is one of the best things, the best
3: things you can get. Up. Okay, I'm okay. right there I with am. you. Hold
0: on, hold on a minute. I'm just I'm gonna qualify <laughs> this. Okay, so listeners, just do this for me. Okay, because Cody eats heart on everything, it's disgusting. Let's and, do and it. I know, get, hold, on, hold I on. get so yeah. pissed if somebody so, throws away the heart and doesn't give it to I, me. I'm just gonna qualify this. Listeners, go do this. Go get you some Rental Drap aluminum foil, <laughs> wad it up in a ball, and start chewing on it. That is what a deer heart tastes like, or an elk heart. And these clowns sitting next oh. to me right now are going to sit there and talk about how great it is. It's it disgusting. Is. Jason killed i like I'm
4: going to win the cook off because I'm sure Cody prepared that heart for you before. Let's make uh, heart great uh, again.
0: Let's make heart great again. There's nothing great about heart, it is an organ that is used to filter or pump blood. Yeah, I, it's life. It's gross.
1: No exaggeration. I think one of the best wild game meals I ever ate, Jason killed a water buffalo. Oh, yeah. And we had a full draw film festival here at the shop, and I smoked that. Holy smokes! A I could it, bacon, before I we could even bring point. it into the event. The guys, there's like six guys out there hanging around the pit, and I'm like, I'm gonna try this <laughs> before we take it them. in because if yeah. it was bad, I wasn't gonna Bridger take it in. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: we couldn't hardly get any of it in because every all the six guys outside ate it up.
0: It was like a 25 pound heart. So you know what's gross about it? So Cody, <laughs> nothing. And looks I think, like
3: a basketball.
0: No, he actually does this on purpose. So when he slices it after he cooks it, it looks like a freaking meat donut. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, it looks like Swiss cheese meat. It's you've got gross. the roast. You've got the different tell me, the different John, chambers. What
4: about meat donut isn't appealing? I don't
0: know, but it just <laughs> oh, it's like liver. It's not people that eat liver just baffle Love me. Love it. See Bridge uh, Jason will eat liver and onions like it's going out of style. Yeah. It smells dirty, tastes Delicious. dirty. I'm sorry.
2: That's why I will survive coronavirus. Because <laughs> I will eat what people won't eat. Because
0: <laughs> they'll eat liver of any
2: type. That's there's be. no
4: toilet paper. There's no ground beef. But damn, we'll, we'll eat God, liver. There's some liver somewhere. Yep.
0: Liver and tofu.
1: Everybody on Instagram is a self proclaimed photographer or chef. Yeah. And put your money where your mouth is. If you're going to kill something, come tr- to the leading edge. Make it worth your while. Right. Cook that kind of stuff. Play right. with it. You don't have to post about it. Right. But play with it because it it is. It's good. It's really, really good. So heart's phenomenal. Yeah, I'm going to draw wanna... the
2: line at when Renella killed that coyote. Yeah.
1: Oh God. That's
0: that's where I'm drawing the line. Yeah, I'm sorry, but that's eating
2: dogs. If the meat that's smells like, like
0: burnt hair, is I that can't. The eat monkey? It. No, that's wor- the dog's worst. <laughs> the coyote. the coyote was Coyote's worse the worse. No, it's bad. So but, I want to circle back, Cody. I want you to talk a little bit about um. The you know the whole social media movement its impact as far as you know and I know you talked to the guys from Hushin about this you had a, a pretty deep conversation about the fact they got offered a lot of money to go to Outdoor Channel well you know, I don't what's I don't know name?
1: directly if there was money offered but they there, but but they, they were their their whole mindset is you know kids got Outdoor TV you know on the TV Outdoor Channel on the TV right in front of them and the kids they're looking at their phone you know. A foot in front of their face watching it over that TV. And that's right. why they, you know, focus on that kind of market and do something. That they they right. don't, you know, they're not worried about that. They're worried about reaching as many folks through their creative and, you know, repetitive content and, and reaching folks that way is you know, I don't know if TV is a dying breed or not. It kind of seems that way sometimes. Right. right. But the YouTube stuff, the social media, I mean it that's where it's coming from. The the T V stuff, in my opinion, is where you know they were losing a lot of hunters that are really focused on that the, the right. older folks that sit around on the couch and watch that i mean they want the guys that are that are you know all about the health out fishing hunting right you know whatever every day and and hiking and staying active they want kids to do that to get involved with that kind of stuff and not just talk about the kill i mean they show the success right. they show the up and down you know the day to day type stuff to show that they're real, real true people, day in well, and
0: day out. Hasn't like the guys from Hushin and Mountain Ops, and you know, you talked about you know the Born and Raised guys. I mean, they really have built their brand off of social media. Absolutely, Am I right? Yeah, I mean, Eric, these are multi million dollar companies now.
1: Eric got fired up with you know the bull, the, the fireball, the bull that everybody knows about, the and fireball, he was yeah. shooting a prime by the way when he killed that bull. Just want to throw that out there. Absolutely, no watch the video. <laughs> the good old days, Eric. If you hear this. But it's, yeah, I mean, that's what kind of got him on the scene and got him started. And he started doing some videos for some folks and they started liking it and he right. wanted him to do more stuff. And Casey had already been kind of doing that on this whole realm. Their whole family has been involved with that for years and, right. and do a phenomenal job of just, you know, showing what their crazy everyday life is. Right. And Mac comes from the corporate side a little bit more, but truly passionate about hunting. And, you know, you take take three different approaches to it a little bit and throw them together and, you know, and, and man, they're making a mean deer steak. Yeah. You know, it's so, a the product they're
0: putting out. It's it's awesome. But uh, not 100% of their content is honey-related. No, a lot. I mean, I, I, hell, it's probably 60%. Eric's not. posting stuff every day right now about his house. Yeah. You know, there's stuff
1: like yeah. that, but just to show that... They're real people. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. and that's what's cool. It's not just that, that you know, look at this big kill and, right. you, know, you know, things like that. But I think what's cool about it a lot of their stuff is done, you know, through the draw system or right. OTC and things right. like that. So that shows us guys that, hey, man, we can do that too. Right. We so, can go out there and do that. And 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 they do a lot of, you know, boots on the ground, scouting right. things like that. Just like you or I would have to do to go be successful. So, it, and and that's what helps them be successful is doing that. It's so not that, just
0: just gravy fed to them. You know, that goes converse to what we see on TV every day. Absolutely. So you you look at the the historical. Hunts that are on TV, and I, I'm not naming out names, but I'm just going to name some shows. You know, like Primos, mm-hmm. like, um, gosh, I'm a, Bridger. You probably know more than I do about some of the shows. I mean, even The Crush and some of these hunting shows that are out. Um, they really have hand-picked animals that they're kind of going to hunt. I mean, I'm not, not trying to expose the bad, but it's not. It's a canned type hunt more than it is an organic hunt. I think Let's those guys
1: have worked themselves into an opportunity to manage and hunt specific pieces of property where they're probably the only people hunting it in a lot of cases, which, yeah. hey, kudos well, to them. Not a bad thing at all. It's kudos well, to them for being able to do that, and, and, and they make the most out of it, which I'm never going to throw shade on somebody for doing that.
3: And I'll,
4: and I'll I'll chime in on that as far as, like, when it comes to whitetail and stuff, the way hunting, well, I don't want to say hunting works, but the way like a lot of people try and focus on hunting and try and make it work that way is I mean exactly like what I'm doing back at home now building you know trying to build better habitat on this farm so that somebody can come in and you know the owner of the farm can come in and hunt a specific deer or create better habitat so that more deer come under the property and he can have his pick so to say at a at a better deer and I mean obviously this gentleman bought 200 80-some-odd acres, and it's paying us a hefty fine to be able to, you know, up a farm that way. So, yeah, he's a little bit privileged if you want to call it that, but yeah. he's created the opportunity to let him do that. I mean, but, I, uh,
1: I think the Midwest, you guys... I know,
4: it is it, a different way of hunting,
3: man. Yeah, it's, I mean, I... It's
1: I,
4: totally different.
1: I think you guys have it way more right than, for the most part, Texas does because you guys, you do what you're doing. You're working in March to create some habitat to get something, you know, ready. I mean, there's... We come from, I would say that the state is that has generated more deer fence deer breeding facilities than than any other place on earth, probably in the oh, state yeah. of Texas, without a doubt. And you know, that's a whole other conversation. I don't know if we're going to go down that thing. <laughs> yeah, let's not. It, it's but I tell you what, there's good and bad in that in that realm, and I've been on good and bad in that realm, and I've experienced good and bad on that realm, and and how those animals are. And, and one thing good about it, fence. a lot less poaching in a lot of regards, and it it does limit a lot of that stuff, and the land is so big down here that it, it, you know, it makes sense in a lot of cases, but not to get on that, but, I mean, it, it, there is, there's a lot of that out there, and there's a lot of, you know, hiding how the hunt actually happens, in my opinion, you know, with things like that, and what I like, I think why people out west are being so successful on social media is they, they capture, the rawness of that, yeah, and and exactly. it's it's yeah. you can't go cheat a fourteen thousand foot mountain and find a nope. mule deer on that and go do it. It's nope. it's pretty tough to do, or a public land bull. I mean, Fun. it's it's one of the the hardest from a statistic standpoint successful hunts. The you know if you look at the harvest numbers out a lot of the western states it's just so tough it's completely different than coming down and hunting a high fence ranch it is
0: you you said it best i mean you look at the guys from born and raised i mean these guys will shoot a three by three hundred thirty inch mule deer and they're just as fired up as killing a 200 inch four by four absolutely i mean it's it's about the hunt and they're they're spreading that i think that whole the journey of the hunt Absolutely. and how difficult it is. And it's not. And it's
4: romanticized well,
1: I mean, in a great way, a fantastic oh, yeah. way, a real way. They do it. They, they show how hard it is. You know, they show how, you know,
0: successes, failures, well, the ins and outs, the good, the bad, the ugly, the whole nine yards. It's like Eric's Fireball. I yeah. mean, people don't realize that this guy put a ton of work in scouting, finding that bull, sitting on him for months upon months before the season. I think he
1: sat in that stand. I mean, from sun up to sun down for I don't know how many days until he got, the first, so he got the first shot at the bull Yeah, and then didn't capitalize and right. then goes and keeps as soon as he had to go back to work whatever comes back the exact same bull the exact yeah. same spot same, same shot a bunch of time <laughs> and the exact same shot and got him yeah you know so that's that's
4: well it,
1: that's
0: cool yeah
4: same same reason that you know at least I think we've been having success with you know our show here and you know, people like what we listen to. Is it? It's all very organic.
0: Yeah, we're not pushing a product. It's
4: organic and it's yeah. real, right? Well, I mean, everybody. I, I think everybody understands like selling stuff and wanting to make money and you know loving what you do and making money at it. But the content that they put out and all, all the people who name with with the Hush with Chris with uh, a lot of crispy with a lot of the guys like that. It's all. Super organic material. It's
0: all right. real and raw, and it makes
4: it easy to connect to. Well, and so Co- that's why they they see the see the success that they do.
0: Right. Well, and Cody, you can even probably expound upon it because I know you're pretty intimate with some of these companies. But you've got a lot of brands out there that have been built off the social media network, like you know Crispy and Stone Glacier. You know those guys are they're doing everything they can on it from that aspect, and I think keeping it real. Yeah. I mean they they create a awesome product.
1: And they go out and find these guys, in my opinion, in a lot of sense, you got, they got a lot of these guys work for them. Right. And but they're real. They're real hunters. Right. And they're guys that can't get enough of it. And it's a cra it's crazy how that little network is built and and around like just the community of Bozeman, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many just just awesome freaking hunters that come out of their Guys, I mean, I wish I could move there just to soak it in from them guys right. day in and day out. Right. And and spend time on the mountain with them doing it's a lot of the things that they get to do. And they're good people that right. genuinely love to hunt. And a lot of them are the same way about target archery. It's funny. I've, you know, fallen a lot of them here lately and there's a good shop there in Bozeman that's got some indoor, you know, indoor range. And these folks are grinding right now with their bows right. weekend and wake week out shooting these 3d competitions, you know, weekly nightly 3d competitions. And it's March. They're not gonna you know, I guess <laughs> exactly. it's cold so there's not a whole lot else they can do up there and maybe nope. they're snowed in, I don't know, but that's what they're doing right now and, and that's why they're successful yeah. year in and year out when the fall rolls around and you know, and it that's just that's why I do what I do too. Right. Put the time on the phone down here like they're doing up there and, and to get out there. But Exactly. It's cool to me how to see from a social media standpoint how a lot of guys have just fed off each other to be successful. Right. And I think there's a lot of relationships that are created out there for the purpose of just trying to be successful. Right. And you can see that. Yeah. And there's a lot of them that have just generically happened because they're good people and they migrate towards other good people mm-hmm. and they've helped each other, you know, through yeah. this and, and, and get, you know, and like Eric's tied in with the, with the mountain ops boys. And Eric used to work for them starting off and, and, they've helped each other tremendously right. throughout the years with everything. And there's not too many, in my opinion, I don't talk a whole lot about those guys and stuff because I'm friends with them. And and, right. my, and, and I value that. And the last thing I ever want to seem like is I'm throwing a, a name drop name dropping. But right. those guys are salt of the earth, right? fantastic dudes that want you to be successful that on a private text message, you're going to tell you like, good job. Like, and not just throw it out on a social media post and stuff right. like that so they that can be seen. And, and that's just, you know, they drop love, you know, from person to person, not just on social media right. so they can be seen and to each other. And, and you know, it's just, that's I, I value and respect that a whole lot more than versus just doing it on social media. Right. And there's a lot well, of guys that just do that.
0: And there's another side of the ugly, you know, we've talked a little bit about this in a prior podcast, but there's a whole other side of that social media, which is the guys who are, you know, in my opinion, I call them predators, they're, they're, they're spreading a lot of stuff out there on social media, which is helping benefit their bottom line. Yeah. I mean, it's essentially. Yeah. Um, and that's, I, you know, it's funny. I I call those guys, they're going to be flash in the pan. They, they won't, they won't have longevity in it. In my opinion, I mean, it could be completely wrong, but um, you know, as eventually people see through that. Yeah. I mean, honestly, in my opinion,
1: I really don't care. Yeah. You know, if they have longevity the or not, like I'm going to, I'm going to go after what's genuine from my perspective, right. and kind of migrate towards that, and follow that, and watch that, right. and that's that's what I want to
0: do. And and that's, so, everybody should do that. So whether it's right, wrong, or indifferent, yeah. at least they're they're integrating themselves into the sport, helping grow it. Yep. Whether it be good intention, bad intention, what you yeah. want to call it, I don't yeah. know if it's bad. I, I think if capitalism is a bad, but
1: it, <laughs> the intentions and man, I and I love hustle. I love folks that are out there hustling, and doing right. stuff and and. Motivating people on a day in and day out basis because we all go through lulls and working out and things like that and you know trying to quit Dr Pepper and stuff you know it, impossible. I'm it, it really so tough. glad he said that because we're getting ready. <laughs> we were getting
0: ready to segue into that.
1: But, but yeah, I just I have no disrespect towards the hustle, right. but I do you know I'm and honestly no disrespect towards the folks that are you know just trying to build up their brand.
3: Right.
0: Um. But. I look for what's genuine right so ultimately so I'm just gonna go ahead and great segue so Eric Casey you know B Mac if you guys hear this so I want to spread some salt on Cody so Cody believe it or not people may not realize this because he doesn't look it right now (laughs) he was an ex very very high-end athlete in college yeah you're high-end don't lie cuz I work out with this clown sometimes um, but you really you ran track and cross country collegiately at Baylor. Mm-hmm. Um, probably at, you, your wife was an All American at one time. She was a stud, still yeah. is. And, okay, so Cody's been humble, but he's a stud also. You know, it used to irritate me. So I used to have to work out for like six months, run as many miles as I can put in, get my body ready, and Cody would wait till thirty days before, and maybe quit eating Whataburger. Maybe it more time, time than that. Slow bro. down the Dr Pepper as BS, and then get on the mountain and still kick my tail. And it used to really irritate me. Waterburger
2: and Dr Pepper. Oh, see, he's a king.
0: I know. He's the king. That's his. That is his. His diet. Cody's.
2: Cody's a uh, name but on but our fantasy football Cody league.
0: Can take one step to two of yours. So. Well, yeah, okay, well that too. But it doesn't matter. But no, I want I want you to talk a little bit about. I mean, I mean, you've seen fitness? this whole fitness movement within no. this industry and where it's heading. No. I mean, heck, you're right now working out with a trainer. Getting yourself trying to get yourself physically fit for the fall, getting ready for elk season. Um, you know, it's a big influencer right now. Absolutely, would you agree? I,
1: and I love it, man. I, th- I think that's that needs to be thrown out there a lot more because it's going to bring a lot of new folks into yeah. it. You know, you can't be a couch potato and go kill an elk. It's so, going to be really, really tough. You have to, in my mind, in the sort of way, be an athlete. And at least be your best version of one, right. and you know your best version of one, and and to sell yourself sort of that, selling your opportunity and the animals sort of that. Right. So I, I love it. I yeah. love what it, what it's about. Um, you know I wish I was more motivated sometimes with it. Instead, so it's it I it, it is. It's hard in Texas when half the time we sit over a feeder thirty right. yards to hunt. But but Western hunting has put that fire back in me more. From a running and like the motivation I had back in the day when I was doing all that running, you know, when that stopped, I looked at myself like, you know, what am I going to be? What am I going to do? Right. And what's going to replace running because that was my everything. And right. it's been hunting. It's yeah. been it's been target archery archery hunting yeah. per se. That's why. I feel about archery the way I do. Why I love it the way I do right. because it's put that back and that fire from a sense back into me. Right? Yeah, I do. I have a I have a problem when it comes to Dr Pepper and oh. Whataburger and Mexican food. <laughs> hey Bridger, you got
0: you got to tell him about the the Dr Pepper. I think he probably didn't even listen to it on the podcast. But remember, you were talking about how you can tell when Cody quits Dr Pepper. What happened?
4: <laughs> yeah, no, dude, dude, you're way shrink. by, I bet. <laughs> Two to four inches.
1: Just wait till it's you like, come back, bro. I've been, been off them for like a week years. and a half. Like, you've been gone. Just wait till you come back.
4: <laughs> Dude, if you just quit, even if you cut it to like a half of a 20 ounce bottle of Dr. Pepper, <laughs> it's impressive. Impossible. Dude, Cody, yeah, it's not happening. Like, I get I, I get a Bush like gut. Cody gets a Dr. Pepper gut. Yeah, man, I do. We yeah. all have our. We all have our vice.
2: That's my vice, without a doubt. <laughs> well, that and whataburger. It's not that's not I've been I've been that. trying to help him by drinking the Dr. Pepper in the soda machine. Yeah,
4: <laughs> <laughs> trying to knock him Well
0: down. no, what's crazy is Cody is very and, and for our listeners, you may not realize this, and I didn't know this until I met Cody. There is another former Dr. Pepper that uses the pure cane sugar, correct? where the sugar content is higher. Amen, there it is. Yeah, see, there it is. So most people don't realize this. So if you come to Texas, you can get like the pure cane sugar Dr. Pepper, which is even sweeter than the, the what most people buy.
1: Yeah, it's not like lab sugar. It's just pure cane. Like yeah. So it's healthier.
0: it's healthier. It's healthy. Yeah, sure, <laughs> it's organic. Sure. It's
2: organic. It's like when you come to Texas and you oh. go to a Mexican restaurant and you say, yeah. hey, I want a Mexican Coke. Yep. Yeah. Scott didn't think it was a real no, thing.
0: Absolutely. He ordered it the other day in the drive-thru about crap. Yeah. 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 And they gave him a bottle. Correct. Oh, wow. it
1: tastes so much better but from a bottle, too. You're Wait, making my I, mouth water it does right now. Taste, it does. You guys are
4: weird. Pro tip, if you're in Texas, ask for a Mexican Coke because it does taste 10 times better. Right?
2: Scott thinks we're weird. He drinks bubble water out of a glass bottle where you can oh, get yeah. it on a can for
0: like a quarter of yeah. the price. <laughs> well, the, That's crazy. I just never knew that. But so anyway, yeah. you, you guys want to get to Cody's heart. Get him a, I, I got a sugar. Cream.
2: I am from Waco, Texas. Whataburger, number Ooh. five. And a Dr. Pepper.
0: Hey, Amen.
1: I'm from Waco, Texas, which is the birthplace of Dr. Pepper. Say, it's a, you get I kicked out of that thing town if sweeter. you don't like Dr. Pepper. This is true.
3: Yeah,
4: I think the only thing sweeter than the pure cane sugar Dr. Pepper is a, a Big, big red. red.
0: Big Red, heck yeah. Not
4: the, not the not the gum. No. <laughs> the soda. Man, it, so for any of the listeners that have never had it, the best way I can describe a Big Red is... Is that it is a red, super sugary soda that tastes like red. Like it's, it's a red a cream same, soda flavor. It's just red. It it's, a re- like red. Yeah, it's, it's
1: a red. It's cream soda. It's technically
2: like a strawberry flavor. Is yeah. What they call it, but it's phenomenal. It's it's, it's my number
1: two go-to. Red. I gotta <laughs> say. But,
2: but Bridger, that's a whole different thing. That's Big Red and Barbacoa. <laughs> that they go together.
4: See, and I I, I have. I been to do that. Yet, they go together like lamb on. and tuna but fish. I had the bread and it <laughs> it's, it's so weird. Yeah, like
2: liver own. and onions yeah. Harder there. Yeah. Perfect.
4: Like liver and onions barbecue <laughs> and big red. So. Anyway, yeah. You, have, you get barbecue and big red after a rough mm-hmm. night eating liver
2: and onions. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, but everybody everybody in the shop seems to be getting into this whole fitness. Well, it's a big uh, deal for us. Tra- yeah. Yeah. Whether well, it's from the target perspective to the hunting perspective to to everything and it's I think it's improving everybody's life
0: well, you know it's funny you say that, but we you know really our shop, if you look at it and our shooters even probably the fittest um, we're, we're uh, yeah, I mean honestly, and I don't know where they're the
4: most fit most attractive there you go shooters out there. Bridger, are you calling
0: yourself good looking <laughs> like well, you, I mean, like you say, I date <laughs> me right. <laughs>
4: i do me. Yeah, I'd do me. There you go.
0: <laughs> He's like if Ed Sheeran had traps. Oh, yeah. Ed Sheeran. Had, he does look just like Ed Sheeran. That's so funny. And he sings like him, too. People don't realize that yet. But hey. Oh, we got to get him singing right No, we got to do the steak cook off. And if, Bridger, if you lose, I'm just warning you, you got to sing. I'm going to Ruth's so Chris. Do I get to pick the song that Cody asked to rap then? Okay, so there we could make Bro, the bet. I,
1: I just flow. I don't need a song to write. Oh, he's gonna freestyle.
0: <laughs> Freestyling. Free
1: <laughs> just give me a topic and I'll roll.
0: Oh my gosh, we got to do this. This is gonna be fun. Yeah, what's happening? I'll be the judge because I can't cook. I'm not gonna sit there and say I can. I was say
4: Scott has the simplest palate of any human being I've ever
2: met. Yep, Scott burnt rice he the was- other day. <laughs> It was hilarious. It was not a lie.
4: I was blown away when I made chicken, and I used all I did was salt, pepper, paprika, and used a meat thermometer. Dude, honestly, okay, <laughs> I'm just telling you, you that would was thought that no. He had Gordon Ramsay. Dude, <laughs>
0: for real, it was one of the best chickens. I I've had ever some eaten. of it. It was it was on point. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie, he it was could, really
4: yeah, good. Yeah, it's good. You just use a meat thermometer. I used a two dollar meat thermometer from no, Walmart. No, homeboy was like,
0: out there the other day. No cooking. more medium rare chicken.
4: No, he's he's. Yeah. <laughs>
0: he pokes that thermometer and everything. Yeah. That's weird. I've never seen that before. Well, yeah. Cause I, I just could turn the heat on high and sear it on both sides and go eat it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. <laughs> That's why I, I'm horrible at it. Coronavirus Stop. did
2: Stop not pull. start in China.
4: It like, <laughs> oh, with Scott. He'll be like, oh, oh, damn it. We, we, I was going to make steak tonight. He'll pull steak out of the freezer. <laughs> Which that freezer takes about three days <laughs> to thaw something anything out. Anything to defrost.
0: Throw it on the grill.
4: And he'll throw it in the microwave, defrost it, and then <laughs> turn the grill on. And it'll be 800 degrees because there's a thermometer on it. And he'll slap a <laughs> the microwave defrost. Three minutes. Defrosted steak on there. Three minutes aside, no seasoning whatsoever. Nope. <laughs> Bring it inside. And be like, hey man, I'm this awesome steak. <laughs>
0: I'll take it. <laughs> Hey, when you're hungry, yeah. you'll eat anything. Yeah. But no, going back to this, what Jason was talking about, our shop is really built around the fitness side of this whole sport. And, you know, we're lucky that we've got some guys in here that are dedicated to that craft. And, you know, and Cody is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw this back at you, Cody, again. You know, you've seen this whole movement in the Mountain Ops guys, the wilderness athlete, all these different venues that are building brands we've, based off of that. We've tried our best to kind of piggyback on it from a shop perspective because I,
1: you know yeah we saw it when we were getting lea started and i think one of the smartest things we ever did was was talk about the fact that we're a western archery shop because it's so i mean it draws people in our door every day guys that like right now a lot of the customers that are walking in are walking in because they're going elk hunting in the fall yep and it it does it's in a time of year when there's not a whole lot going on outside of the target world It, it brings people in every day and and it's, it's, it's huge. It's, it's so much fun. And, you know, we, we saw that we saw the importance of it. Um, it's, you've got to be a little bit more technical when you're, when you're hunting an animal that, so it helps from that perspective. We take that target technology that, that you're truly passionate about and bring it over in to the hunting world where I'm truly passionate about. And granted, we both like both. We're both passionate about both, Mm. but it really just merges together and creates a perfect blend for our shop. And that's, that's our identity as a shop. That's who we are as a shop is a Western archery shop in the middle of South Texas that likes to shoot a lot of foam too.
0: Yeah. So, you know, talk about like, there's also a lot of groups that have come up in the last probably two years, like elk shape Mm -hmm. is one heck. We've, we've seen our own elk training camp that we do weekly here. Yeah. I mean, those things are growing. I
1: mean, wilderness I mean, all the different bland, you know, brands out there and Bozeman, there's gyms that do nothing but train, for hunting, that's what yeah, their senator they're, really. You know, it's it's amazing. It's all awesome. crazy, and that's where Dan Dan. You know, with with elk shape, that's that's his core. That's what he goes after, and you know is passionate about it. And you know, one of the fittest guys that probably walks the planet. And the same thing, the guys over at, you know, I can't remember the what the name of the fit, other no, fitness place is up there, but it's the same thing. I mean, they're right. they're they got a, a different identity from you know two different shops and way of looking at things, and they may not always see eye to eye, but the end result is to be. A better more efficient hunter and you know and and cam haynes is really kind of what got that started oh, and it's not, just transferred no you know yeah, and carried huge carried east from where he's at and, yeah. and, and been huge in it and companies have been built mountain ops has been built off the idea of being a healthy you know the best version of a hunter that you can be right and it, it, it's amazing. Well, it's, it's, break,
0: cool. it's breaking that stereotype that we hear, and you know, we've seen this a lot in fishing, and I imagine it's the same way in hunting. It's breaking that stereotype of a guy sitting in a tree stand, six pack of beer in his, you know, butt crack hanging out, you know, in his plaid shirt and blue jeans you know, blue jeans. Whatever. I've it may literally
1: be. been in a deer stand in Texas with an air conditioner in it.
0: Are you kidding me? No, <laughs>
1: no, <laughs> it, like that's that's what it is. Like that's what's wrong with it. You know, yeah, exactly. that's that's what's not right with it, right. though, because we have air conditioners and deer stands. Yeah. That's, what that's, You know, that's not driving like what's fun about that. Right. That's convenient. Right. Like the harder you have to work for things, the, the more bre- rewarding it is. So Correct. like that's what's attractive about the people that really want to do something and get something out of it. You have to earn it. You, you can't cheat the West for the most part. You have to earn it. Yeah. You can get your place yourself on some better land, you know, for some big chunks of money and, and get some tags like that. But, for the most part, even then, a lot of times, you're not successful. So you you it, can't it's, really
0: it's, cheat it near as much. It's funny you say that, and I want to talk about something real quick. So, you know, we oh, we got to be a part of your elk hunt this fall, part of the whole experience of you killing that elk. Um, now the, I don't want to say for me, but I'm not going to say it until you, I want you to talk about it. Um, you know, the actual killing of the elk was a blur. Would you agree? Absolutely. It was a total blur. Absolutely. Um, how was the pack out? I mean, seriously, I mean, that's what, for me, Got, I mean, I'll never forget it, yeah. As long as I live,
1: I mean, got to put our stone glaciers to the test, yes, exactly. It was 1230 at night and a mist and rain. I can remember every bit of that. The pack every and looking at the the bears, yeah, yeah, and like planning and looking at okay, what's the shortest way to get down this mountain to the truck? And it was all downhill and it was dewy and it was wet, and there was a lot of downfall. We, We both ate it two yep, or three times a yep. piece because we would step on this dewy wet log and it would we, our feet would just slide out and the weight on our back would just take us straight down. And, man, that was, yeah, it was. That that evening, that whole the aspect after the shot yeah.
0: was the funnest part. It was. With, and, without a doubt. And too many people, I think, get hung up on the kill, you know, and it's just not about that. It's everything that happens, you know. I will never forget just you and I processing that elk. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, we had like sounds and, and and we were afraid of bears. We of saw course. a bear on our way in on <laughs> right.
1: that uh, like as we're going in after this elk before yeah. we heard him bugle the first time and and got to talking and working him. Yeah, we heard we saw a little bear, yeah. and you know it just Texas boys that kind of gets in our head a little Heck bit. Yeah, yeah all I see know see is I'm faster here. than Scott. I'm pretty sure. So
3: yeah, <laughs> dude, I was freaking not, out. Not
4: to throw either of you under the bus, but are you going to divulge in the uh, the other part of the pack out? The, you know talking about the next morning
0: oh no no because i wanted to shoot him with a broadhead when that happened Yeah, co- <laughs> co- I'll, so I'll, I'll talk about that because so we went about
1: him. three miles out that night yep. with 80 80 90 pounds on our backs and we're just miserable it was awesome miserably awesome yep well on our way out we get about 200 yards down the mountain and i look down at the ground I'm like dang this looks like a pretty good trail <laughs> And I started looking at the map on Onyx, and I'm like, man, I think I can see this trail. Like, I didn't want to take it the rest of the way out because I could tell the way it was going was going to have to take us down, and then we'd have to come back up the side of another mountain to kind of get back out. Um, but I'm like, dang, this looks kind of like a pretty good four-wheeler trail. <laughs>
0: yeah. Next morning. So, so we went
1: we went all the way down that night, and it was... I don't know if you've ever, like, I would rather at some point we had to turn around and go uphill for a little bit because downhill was just working our knees oh, the entire way, horrible. and it was so steep in some yeah. spots, and it wasn't just steep, but it had that that gritty kind of just loose rock, yeah. so you were worried about it sliding out from under you, but we get back and get, you know, kind of everything hung up that we had, we were able to get out. We had left everything that we left on the side of the mountain. We, we put up in a tree so it was safe just to try and keep it away from the bears, and um there was some some free ranging cattle on that land yep. for you know for for folks and the trail was a sure enough, it was a four wheeler trail that went right, right up about two hundred yards underneath where my so elk went down we, and
0: to, to to elaborate, we get up the next morning, we're kind of having breakfast with some of the other guys that are in camp. And one of the guys lives there, his name's Jackie, he lives there, got a house. And we're showing him on a couple four wheelers. Yep. We're showing him on Onyx map where we kill it. And Jackie makes a comment. Well heck we can drive about a hundred yards from that bull. And I looked across the table at Cody and I was ready to shoot him. I was ready to go get my broadhead and put it right in his guts. Cause I, my back was hurting. I was eating ibuprofen like candy,
1: but I ain't going to
3: lie, bro. I wanted to
0: experience, <laughs> but no, honestly, a pack out. looking we back did. on that, you know, I will sell, tell people this every year that we harvest a bull and I'm involved in a pack out going out. I'm thinking, I don't want to ever do this again. I'm going to call horse people. We're going to bring in buggies or whatever, four wheelers, but after it's all said and done, like right now, we're sitting here talking about it. I can't wait to do that again. This yeah, fall. That's why you want to go to, get up and go to the there's, gym in the morning, yeah, because 100%. of that. Hundred percent. Yep. Every time you think about not getting up and going to the gym, you think about what am I going to do when I kill that nine hundred pound animal and got to pack him out. Yep. And it'll it'll change your uh, environment really quick. It so, was tough, but we were definitely able to drive the
1: four up about hundred hundred fifty yards below well, that bull know, the next morning yeah, and. And drive him out. So and let's think was, about think about this. So we get the Cody. best of both worlds. Yeah, because yeah. I,
0: I've been involved with quite a few elk with Cody. And l- let's look at your elk you killed in Steamboat Springs, Colorado, three, four years ago now. And we killed this bull. I mean, it was a great hunt, a great kill, great scenario. But we literally drove the truck within 30 yards of his yeah. carcass, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so that pack out, that there whole was environment, never, we never thought about that. that. There was none of that experience. Without no, that experience wasn't there. So when I think of that hunt, I think about, the calling sequence and the shot and the kill. Because that was amazing. Yeah. But it's amazing to to look back now. You look at the Montana hunt and you you think about the shot sequence and how quick it happened. Yeah. But then you get the whole pack out story, which was just amazing. Yep, absolutely. So yeah. The nutrition side of this sport I think is something that's overlooked a lot. And you know, and it's I think it's really important if you want to become a western mountain hunter and be effective, you know, you gotta just get your butt in shape. Yeah, it definitely
1: helps. It's going to help you. I mean,
0: I think across the board in Colorado, the
1: average success rate is in the single digits with the bow. Right. For harvesting an elk. And I would argue that the, the guys that do kill the where that's coming from, most of them are fit. Yeah. That, you know, yeah. they're because they're able to go a little bit harder, a little bit deeper, a little bit right. smarter, you know, or whatever it is and, and defining some elk and, and, you know, it's not always how, you know, far back they are, but, but right. being smart too, but you know, they're able to get around and, and, So much of that happens. It's not necessarily how far back in you can go, but it's how you react in the scenario when you see an elk and you can get to an elk into that position because he's trying to scoot underneath you and get downwind of you or whatever it may be and be able to dive off and get exactly where you need to be when you need to be and still even though you're sucking wind, be able to execute right. that shot and make it happen. Well,
0: it it goes back to you don't let the environment limit you. Yeah. I mean, how many times in our elk hunting career have we really looked at something and said we can't go after that bull because of this? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's a, a for a lot of people, it's a limiting factor. Yeah. You know, if you're if you're training and stuff, it doesn't it becomes a, a blase if you want to call it.
1: And and again, I mean, the target shooting,
0: yeah. that 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 out of breath, yeah, and
1: that oh, scenario yeah. and. Yeah. Like that's where it just becomes automatic and that's why it's important because right. you're gonna have so many variables in those scenarios that you can't control and you have to it has to be like you're just on play right. and 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 mindless and just happen right when those scenarios present themselves like that and it that from the sh- true shot point perspective comes
0: all the way back to
1: indoor target season I have right. to say it in a lot of ways
0: yeah so we can tie everything together I think and kind of kind of Go towards wrapping this up in the sense that I wanted to talk to you about and get your your insight. Um, you know, you've you've worked with this on the social media side. You've worked in the shop side of it. The, you know, the boots on the ground. You know, you look at this from a hunting perspective. You know, you tie all these things together. I mean, what's Cody Wells' State of the Union addressed for archery and this sport of hunting. I mean, and and even target archery because you're involved in that also here at the shop. I mean, if you look at all three of those things put together, you know, what, you know, because you hear a lot of the innuendo about, and in the in, you know, the, the industry's down, it's not good. You know, I guess in your opinion, where's the industry heading? What do you, what's your thoughts on that?
1: I mean, I don't see the industry down in this shop. No, I mean, not from our shop, but, but I mean, overall. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think you have to think about if you're a hunter out there that listening to this podcast right now.
0: Or somebody went and get into honey. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, get in like you don't have to be an expert. That's what those guys are, but don't be scared to play with things. Um, don't listen to everything that's written on social media or out there on YouTube or whatever. Hands-on experience, actual results in front of your face from trying things. There's nothing wrong with trying things. There's nothing wrong with trying a nose button. I'm sorry. Try it. <laughs> um but try things man try things get your hands on it be the best version of you that you can be um in every aspect you know whether if target's going to make you a better hunter then you need to be shooting target right um everybody's got to work everybody's got to make a living doing things like that work around it do what you got to do but find as much time behind a bow that's going to make you a more effective hunter um the meat i promise you and the the health benefits from it's going to make you a better version of you so, there's that side of it. Use that, utilize that. Um, you know, and just just listen to people that are truly coming at you from the perspective of a heart of a teacher right. and not to do something to sell it. Right. And that's how you weed stuff out there on social media out. And you can tell the difference. Oh, you yeah. know, you can tell the difference really quick who's doing it from that perspective, the heart of a teacher perspective versus just trying to sell something. Right. And, you know, there's a lot of lies out there with that stuff and, and, you know, building their own selves up. And if that's the case, then, you know, weed that out. But, yeah, just, you know, try to be the best version of you with it. Have fun with it. I mean, hunting is so much fun. Um, You know, guys out there and ladies, if you're looking for something to do with your kids, you know, there's stats out there that, that you know, I don't know exactly what it is. But, you know, if just a husband hunts, it's like, you know, I think less than a 50% chance that the kid's going to hunt. If the husband and the wife hunts, it's almost guaranteed that that kid's going to get involved. Right, and you know that's where new hunters going to come from. So, guys, get you get your ladies out there, man. Like get them um get them a bow. They don't have to be perfect at it. You. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to spend as much time working on their stuff as you do on yours. Right, but it's going to you know transfer down to your kids and lead to a lot of fun, a lot of fun hunts on right. down the line. That that's where memories are about. That's what it's all about. Heck yeah. The so the money side of it
0: preach
3: yeah that's you know, <laughs> well it, it, you like scott always so, says you
1: can't take it with you you no, can't you know like you go and take it with you and, and find a shop that's willing to work with you on that kind of stuff i mean again not to toot our horn but we try and not find like not let somebody if they want to get into archery not let them walk out of here yeah without having an opportunity to do that right. especially not because of money and that's why we do what we do with used bows and recurves and a lot of that kind of stuff so, so
0: I want to talk about a tough subject um you know, you and I have had some pretty deep conversations about this, and uh, Jason, you can chime in too. You know, with the access of public lands seeming like some, somewhat going away, with the you know Colorado coming up with their new draw system now mm-hmm. out west. I mean, are you a little concerned about where the hunting industry is going from a from a monetary standpoint? What it's going to take to become an an avid Western Mountain hunter, and you know, what's I mean, I think this is the bad part of it. I mean yeah i mean it it definitely seems like it's
1: becoming a rich man's game in a lot of yeah, ways exactly there's still a ton of public land out there, so find a way to support your groups that are supporting that as, as you know maybe a lot of them have alternative but look into that look into that, right. do your own research and do what you're comfortable with there but yeah I mean I've got a four year old daughter that I would love to take elk hunting someday, and it kind of scares me where it's going and and a lot of it's just the You know, if you start reading the anti stuff, yeah, it'll, you know, that'll mess with your head right away. But it does seem that way. Um, I think what Colorado's doing is, you know, I don't agree with 100% of it, um, but ultimately they're trying to create more elk, which is going to create more opportunities, hopefully, down the line. Right. And as long as they have that perspective in the end, you know, I think we're going to win. Right. How we get there, you know, right now may not seem right, but in the end, where where we end up is going to be, I think it's going to be okay. Right. And, and plan ahead guys you got to plan ahead with elk hunting and, and yeah. hunting out west and stuff like that you can get your day-to-day stuff and have fun and get in and you know introduced if you're not out west but to me that's kind of on a pedestal for me because i love it so much right. but you know if your pedestal is a south texas whitetail or axis buck or something like that i mean you know work your way towards it and, and go do it but you know it, it is scary sometimes because i see the amount of money i see what the states are charging I see how they're, you know, the point creep and what's going on out right. there. But if you're smart about it and do the research, you can you can create yourself, you know, and your family. And in the future, you can create opportunities. Right. Um, It is scary, though, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I I wish I could push a button and see what, you know, where things are 10 years from now. But right. there's a lot of folks that don't want you killing these animals out there right now. And yeah. it seems like they're winning a lot of times. Um, But, you know, it, it's... We can have the right kind of conversations about why we're doing this. And, you know, I I joke about liking to make things bleed, but I like to make things bleed because I can eat them.
0: Yeah. It's not because I like to watch them bleed. I'm not
1: like a killer from that standpoint. No, I agree. (laughs) I like to eat it. It's it's so stinking good. Yeah. And it's fun. And, And, I mean, I'm, when it comes to elk hunting, for me, public land scenario for the most part i'd be just as happy with a big fat cow as i would a bull you know so i can eat it and 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 we can you know do that all year my daughter is a meat eater she would rather eat she 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 asked for elk steak versus tater tots and man i love that because she's she loves it she's grown it up with that taste and, and realized how you know great it is and how you know just i mean she'll pound it she loves it yeah
0: well, the good thing is, and I know you and I have had a lot of discussion about this, and I, I preach this a lot in the shop, and I preach this to customers that go on the elk hunts. And you and I, Cody, have people don't realize when you go Western Mountain backcountry hunting, and I'm not talking about going to pay $15,000 to go to the Hill Ranch or Tertio or some of these premier places. I'm talking about going out and putting it on your back, going into the, into the mountains and hunting. I mean, it's hunting. Um, and don't be a bone collector. I, mean, I think you and I yeah. both are not bone collectors. We're there for the experience, no. Cody. I mean, I've hunted enough with Cody, and I've been blessed to be a, a part of a lot of his hunts where we've seen some of the most beautiful country in the world. Absolutely. I mean, we've seen some things that, quite frankly, there's a couple of places that you and I go to that we know for a fact nobody's been to. Yeah. You know, and we've stood on the side of this mountain thinking, you know, nobody's seen this. You know, and there's a special place in my heart when it comes to mm-hmm. remembering those those things over the kills. You know, because yep. we've eaten tag soup more than we've killed. That's obvious, um, and it's a big deal. I mean, that is what hunting out in the mountain west is all about. Yeah, it's not the kill. Nope. Yep. If you're a bone collector, you're in it for the wrong reasons. And I, just to kind of retro the future, I mean, your kids see you
1: shooting foam; they're gonna love. You know, that's the way it gets them involved and love that. Yeah. And they see you shooting foam, and then they see you go hunting. Like it's gonna all just to me. That's where you create this revolving door of you know creating new hunters right and i'm not talking about couch potato hunters i'm talking about like the kids are going to value and respect and protect that you know a right. lot of the things that are happening out west and doing out right. west and, and that's why it seems crazy to connect the dots all the way back to shooting a stinking foam target but man like it does. Yeah. It does. It connects all the way back in because you're preparing yourself. The kids are seeing that. They're seeing you work hard. They're seeing you get in shape. They're seeing you work hard for it, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, not to get all weird about it, but it does. No, Man, with it, you're, it really you're,
0: you're creating a lifestyle and environment at Absolutely. that point in time. Absolutely. I'm like, it's like you, Bridger, how many stands you hang this week? Is he there? Uh,
4: right now, we're up to, I think, like eight or nine. So, we've spent most of the time cutting trees, but we've got another – five or six to hang tomorrow.
0: Yeah, so you're going to hang roughly 15 sets over the next, over the week, last two weeks, correct?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I mean, and quite frankly, I mean, you're going to, you know, that the guy that's going to reap the benefits of that hunt, they don't, a lot of people don't realize the amount of work that goes into it. I mean, to to have that, what, one, two or three minute encounter to go kill that deer takes, what, hundreds of hours of setup time, correct?
4: Well, hell, just, just this week, it's been... I mean, I, we started on Monday early. Well, actually, i say just this week, starting on Monday. Rod's been working for, you know, hinge cutting, building bedding areas and barricades to move deer, you know,
3: inhibit or
4: promote deer movement. I mean, for the last month and a half or so. Right. Since, I mean, since the beginning of February, really. Right. You know, and I mean, it's hundreds and hundreds of hours doing that, but... I will take a little bit of offense to uh, Cody's term couch potato." <laughs> because there's been, while I haven't actually eaten pot- potato chips in the tree stand, yeah, <laughs> there, there's <laughs> plenty of things I have eaten. I exactly. like I like to, I like to make, make the joke about being white tail fit. As far as you know, being able to make them twelve ounce curls and that's right. You know, be able to quietly open a bag of Cheetos in the tree stand. That's a hidden talent.
0: Well, you joke, but I mean seriously. I'm a white whitetail hunter at heart. Hell, Cody is too. We all are, to some degree. Sitting 10 to 12 hours in a set's not easy.
4: Oh man, I, there's. I remember a couple times I was I was hunting a specific deer with a buddy of mine, here around where I live, and for a week and a half straight, I think we did, I think we did 11 days in a row where we sat from sunrise to sunset. All day, the tree yep. up and then entry stand is. I mean, right. it's freaking brutal. Man. Oh,
1: it sucks. you mean you so didn't just wait anything, like you, for an you're hour after, For
4: ten? What's that?
1: So you mean you didn't just wait for like forty-five minutes after the feeder went off?
4: <laughs> no. Yeah.
2: Or just we go hit, hit, the yeah, <laughs> hit the test button. Yeah, hit the test button. Yeah. On your phone. Right.
4: They'll, hear the, they'll, they'll hear that. No, they'll, they'll hear the corn cage. No, they. <laughs> but if, I mean, you are literally—you'll go out and you'll live on a two by two square on a tree stand right platform (laughs) yeah is that 11 hours is that why your butts
0: hey hey dude is that why your butt's so flat
4: hey i've been told i got a great butt i just had to say it (laughs) i've got a great asset
0: (laughs) a great asset Uh uh-huh i see that And now you're gonna have
2: people stalking your personal pages. Oh yeah! Everybody go go, Google him (laughs) to
0: find it. Just throw that Tinder
1: pick on up there tonight, Bridger.
2: At Uh, Deaton Bridger.
0: (laughs) At Deaton Bridger. (laughs) What's your Tinder profile name? (laughs) No, but
3: yeah.
4: But I mean, you guys talk about all the all the time and you know effort put into being able to hike up and down a mountain. You know, even even Midwestern guys like we we're putting in the same amount of effort, but it's. Just over a greater period of time. Oh, know, no. Cutting, doing hinge cutting, building, tree, building bedding areas. And, Dude, it's know, not. Manipulating dirt movement with that, and hanging tree stands. No,
0: it goes well. It goes well beyond that because I think I mentioned this before with you that I remember uh, we had a climbing, I had a lone wolf hand climber. And watching Blake Kidder try to go up a tree was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) Because the amount of core... I would
4: love to make a Texas 100. Oh, my gosh. A
0: hand climber. A hand climber? Oh, it's hilarious. I mean, for like you and I, it's cake. But it's funny to watch them try to get that cadence and that... That core activated to get that freaking tree stand up that
2: side. Oh, of dude, tree. I don't
4: know about cake. I because I do it and my abs will hurt.
2: Oh, they hurt. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I kinda wanna see you do it now, Scott. No. I don't I've know. seen
1: Scott hang a couple of tree stands. He's half monkey, I promise <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah. Oh dude, I've,
4: we should do a, we should do a contest, Scott. Um, we'll, we'll see who we can hang a I, set of sticks and a tree stand.
2: That's the fastest. Yeah, yeah. How many contests are we gonna go with here? So you know what I do. Sorry, we're up to this. Hey. Yeah, I'm gonna lose on hanging a tree so stand.
0: I, I'm not kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> no, but I can't hang the uh the, the the climbing sticks like you guys do. So I'm o I am so old school I want to date myself here. I use the old um um what do they call it? the the telephone line spikes that you put on For your boots. Steps? No, the step not even screwing steps. I mean Oh you
4: used like a, uh linemans,
0: lineman spikes
4: holy crap and dude i could climb Rada a tree oh,
0: do they even make those that, anymore uh, i can no. climb a tree in a new york second, <laughs> they have too.
2: trucks that take telephone workers <laughs> up to the coast now
0: <laughs> i think i might have a pair somewhere too left Jeez, over scott i know i know i'm 50. You know, i'm old
4: jason you make fun of that i i hung five landers today using using the bucket of a skid steer. here <laughs> <laughs> Look, and, and, and he let said, "We'd the trees stand up, and I'd go up in the and, bucket so I could get around the back of the tree."
0: And didn't you talk about that you weren't missing working out with me and Jason because you're you're working so hard? Yeah, What's up with that? Oh, dude. Jason, we gotta get on it. I
4: dude. don't think I've, I think I've taken enough Advil and I've broken this week to kill a small village. <laughs>
0: nice, I think he's. I lying. call out a Tuesday. Been
4: working and yeah. cutting, dude, for cutting trees, holding the twenty-pound chainsaw up above your head to cut trees and then carrying all the damn tree stands and oh, wah, wah, wah. hanging off of that and winging, swinging around the tree trying to hit a ratchet strap right
2: yeah i know at the end of the day you chose to do it yeah
4: there you go <laughs> that's right i did but i get paid a hell of a lot more than i do going to the gym with you Goofy <laughs> Jaffer, <so. laughs> this is true oh. this is true so
0: anyways, um, hey, wanted to wrap up the show a little bit. But hey, Cody, thank you um, for giving us your insight. And, the uh,
1: next time you want to talk about hunting, I'll get back on. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what's
0: funny? We talked about doing a hunting podcast. And one of the things we didn't want to do, there's – how many are there, Cody? Oh, you gosh, know you can't count, There's man. thousands. And there's some good ones. There's some great stuff out there. And it yeah. it, it just
1: – you try and you end up overlapping. Yeah, exactly. And And, and, and you know, there's – it doesn't mean it's bad content. Right. It just means that you end up overlapping, and you've kind of been there and hunt it. There's a lot yeah. of guys with the exact same mindset of everything we just talked about tonight. But right. because of the passion for target archery that we have at the shop and, right. and what it feeds, you know, with our group, just, you know, I want to connect the dots. Right. And how it's directly helped me be a better hunter a little bit, and that's right. why— I wanted to be a part of it and
0: talk about it today. Right. Well, and so later on in the year, as we get closer to elk season, we're going to do some podcasts surrounding that. I mean, hopefully, you'll come back and and and, and talk through some of the stuff that we do to prepare for those hunts. Absolutely. I mean, I think those are going to be pretty awesome. And I think a lot of
1: that that physical stuff translates right over into the target world too. Yeah,
0: absolutely, absolutely. So we'll 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 be circling completely back around on that. Um, but man, thanks a lot for being on the show. It was I a blast. Had a fun, a lot of fun. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And one of these days, we got to let loose, Jaybird, and do like a really unplugged, leading as Our True podcast. We we definitely can. I don't know if yeah. I'll post it or not, but yeah. <laughs> we'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because we we're really trying to be tame. We have so many kid listeners, so we yes. got to be real conscious of that. That's cool. So, but maybe maybe we have to start a whole new. Other-
3: I mean, I just, Podcast.
1: you know, from somebody that's not, I'm not day in and day out here doing this, but you guys are doing a hell of a job with this. Yeah. I have a lot of fun listening to it. It's exciting to see the growth that you're having. And, um,
0: we've been lucky. I want to encourage yeah. y'all to keep doing what you're doing with it. It's yeah. just a lot of fun to watch and, and listen to. We've been really lucky, honestly. So, but I think we're, like I said, we try so darn hard to make sure we do things so different. So correct. And not the same old boring cliche stuff. So anyways, listeners, if you guys have any um, I, things you want to talk about when it comes to hunting, I mean, we can get as technical as you want. We kind of, I think we skirted the edge of it, you know, to talk yeah. about more the the social aspects of hunting and what it's doing for the, for the industry of our sport right now in archery. Kind of tying in, like Cody said, the target archery, you know, versus the hunting and how they can cohabitate to make yourself better. Um, but if you have some content you want us to talk about, we say this every week. But get the feedback to us; we'll cover it. Yeah. Um, we 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 love to answer your questions, to to get into the to the the backbone of our sport and how it affects you and how it affects the equipment you do and all that fun stuff. We'd love to do that stuff. And yeah, We can
2: definitely get in there and break down equipment setup yeah, for different absolutely. hunts, because we, we are builds. We are so
0: hyper OCD when it comes to that. Yep. I mean, we take it to a whole crazy level. Some people think we're nuts.
2: Uh, I used to.
0: Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and then
2: found out it works. Yeah.
0: And, uh, and Cody, even talked talking about his elk setups and how we get into the weeds on that. I mean, we set that bow up specifically for a job,
3: yeah. you know, more yeah. or less.
0: And then Absolutely. When you go to some of the, and I'm not knocking shops, but you go to Bass Pro, you go to some of these other archery shops, you know, to them a bow's a bow, an arrow's an arrow. A broad has a broad head. Go kill your game, and mm-hmm. honestly, probably eighty percent of the time, seventy percent of the time, you you can su- be successful with that. But you know, we say this around here all the time: we manage the ten percent failure rate yeah. because you know we've all experienced it in this room that you're going to make a bad shot. And you can only be so lucky. Yeah, that stuff's going to happen. Uh, so,
1: Andrew Whitney, this one of the guys that works for Stone Glacier, one of the best shots I've ever seen in my life. By the way, I shot tack with him. Bridger can testify to this. The guy's phenomenal. He's he's lights out.
4: Incredible shooter.
1: He he talked, you know, just on the mountain that day, talking through setups and things like that. And he said, you know, I'm going to shoot the way I shoot as much in the setup because I never want that to be the fact that I'm not successful on that mountain. So we can break down a lot of that stuff for you guys on a future episode maybe to kind of walk through that and talk through that. And, you know, from the setup perspective to – you know how you should practice right. as a target archer to make, or as an archer to make
0: yourself a, you know, a better hunter right. too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's mark that one down. Let's get back together and talk about those intricate details of bow setups for the game animals you're going to hunt in the fall. I think it would be a great episode. We can talk through that to, so that you know, you all the listeners can go to your shops and ask and request this kind of information to make yourself a more lethal hunter at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and also give us some feedback. Um, for sure, because Cody Wells said he sounds horrible on radio. He didn't want to listen to himself talk. <coughs> <laughs> and, and I was virus. giving a ton of crap about it. And I'm like, dude, you're going to be fine. Because he kind of... I, we had to pull I don't to like listening to, do. to myself talk. I think he sounded great. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I, I think he sounds great. <laughs> what about you, Bridge?
0: Did he sound good on your side? All i heard is oh, road no, noise off.
4: Whatever filter you guys use for him. Perfect. Okay,
0: good. So well, he's, he's using your mic, Bridger. Yeah, you might have to... You don't want to see what I've done to your mic That's, either.
4: That that microphone's going to
3: do it <laughs> quarantine.
0: So. No, so he sounded as good as he looks. You guys don't know. Google him, Cody Wells. He's a pretty boy. Dat Hunter Wells. He dat Hunter Wells. He's I'm a pretty not man. Bridger, I can be that
1: that rapper Wells if I need to.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We're doing this steak <laughs> off. So so listen, listeners. We're gonna actually update you on this. We are gonna have this steak cook off. It'll be on our LEA podcast yes. Instagram page, and we're gonna do it because I, a I want to hear Cody rap and or Bridger sing. I'm only rapping if I lose. Okay, cool. what happens if both of you lose? Kid.
4: He wants to eat both oh, ones. I'm just gonna
0: eat both the steaks. I'm good with that. And wait, but are you are you gonna? I said, Jason? what happens if both of them lose? They're both gonna rap and sing. Well, ha- we'll have Sweet. to think of a good song. That's like not Vanessa, Well there has to be a winner and there has to be a loser. Yeah. So, Tabansky. I
4: can, I, can, I can wrap eyesight, baby. Yeah.
0: What happens if I lose?
4: No. I can do that
0: right So, are now. you. Well, the question is Is Jason going to be a part of this contest? Because you said that you are like the master. Well, what's he going to do Kinda. if he loses? But you can't make ceviche. It's <laughs> no, gotta, it's, I won't make ceviche. It can't be a Mexican dish. It's got to be a steak. Sure.
1: I just want to know what he's going to do if he loses. Yeah, what are you going to do if you
2: lose? I'm going to kick both their asses.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you probably could rap. Jason probably could Tell you what, I'll sing in Spanish. (laughs) Oh, there we go. Oh, it's on now. So anyways, listen, y'all, thank you very much. Um, We appreciate everything you are doing for us out there in the uh, podcast world. We are excited about where we're heading in the future. Please send in your suggestions for more content. Share as much as you can. Let's go out there and grow this thing. because we are going to be bringing, we're going to be bringing the rain when it comes to real, real content and real media. So
1: and we want it real, man. We don't yeah. want we're gonna. This is going to happen organically. Yeah. There's not going to be bot, right? Viewers, listeners, any of that kind of right. stuff that really exactly. happens out there is my pet peeve yep. in the social media world.
0: And, and maybe we might get lucky. I think, I think he's done a good enough job. Maybe we can get Cody on as a regular weekly dude. Yeah, like Bridger. I Only mean, we I do I can have use Bridger's more mic. microphones. Richard, can you have your mic? We'll get you a new one.
4: I guess I'll just, I guess I'll just be sweeping the <laughs> sweeping the shop while you guys are recording. <laughs> no, we're, ta-
0: we're, talking about, we're talking about all four of us. We can all four do this. <laughs> you know what would be cool about that? Because we'll have the bow hunter guy in here. We're going to have the guy who does both and you. We're going to have the target guy and me. And then we're going to have the, the all-knowing great crip guy over here that does nothing but shoot you, set. And I also kill stuff. <laughs> well, yeah, you do,
2: actually. I'm yeah. sorry. I forgot about it's, that. Scott, good look at, good look at the think, range. Scott, yeah. You're the
4: only one that doesn't kill
1: them. That's this totally true. Half the mountain, our
0: shop are from Jason. Jason, <laughs> <laughs> Jason Tabaski murders everything from Water Buffalo. I have to zero deer. contributions to the wall. <laughs> 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 yeah, go look at his house. It's ridiculous. True. So, anyways, we appreciate y'all. Uh, we're going to sign Thank off. Thank you, all Thank you much.